Hello, family and friends. Welcome to another Talks with Lim Lee. <laughs> I do this, I do this about intro it. so many times. This is available to the billions of people around the world on YouTube in 4K and also in audio on Spotify, Pandora, po- uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, CastBox, and so many other platforms. I'm your host. I'm Lim. I'm a software engineer. I've been doing it for about two decades. And today my sidekick is... Emmett Morgan, are you broadcasting on the darknet? No, not yet. I would like to. Okay, soon to be coming onto the darknet. If you have an Onion browser and you go through the tour. Uh, I am Emmett Morgan. I'm a realtor in Las Vegas. I have a degree in accounting. I am a boring dude compared to our mysterious guest today. We've had to uh, not show his face. He's under anonymity. We're going to blur his voice. Uh, He's agreed to talk with us so that he can share his uh, story and his experience. Um, we've had to do all this because he's in trouble with the feds. Uh, he's, he's here. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself without telling us too much, uh, we're going to wander into some dangerous territory. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Slayer Ranger. Uh, I am a former black hat hacker that has turned into a gray hat prior to my Computer Fraud and Abuse Act conviction. I am charged and convicted of attempting to hack into United Airlines with a spear phishing email while impersonating the Federal Aviation Administration and TSA using a customized remote access Trojan. I am currently on three-year supervised release after serving two years in federal prison. Holy cow. Awesome. So we talk about all that. We talk about everything related to that. We talk about the top three security tips that commoners should use. Yeah, normal people. Normal, yeah, normal people. I like to say commoners for some <laughs> funny you're, reason. You're a royal king. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm part of the commoners, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that uh, we talk about um, prison time. We talk about the experiences in prison, the prison riots. Uh, man, audience, stay tuned. It's a roller coaster. Cut. Tell us the story behind you and United Not exactly hacked, a try to hack. Oh, Um, yeah. But that's the one you got in trouble for? Yes, that's the only crime for Computer Fraud and Abuse Act that I've been convicted of. Mm. Convicted and gone to jail for. And still currently, um, what's the term? Probation? Yeah. A supervised release. Um, There's a difference between federal supervised release and federal probation. Federal supervised release is less, uh, you know, Gestapo like uh, <laughs> then you know probation okay uh, yeah do you have uh, restrictions on where you can go I uh, do not have restrictions on where I can go but I am subject to a forensic investigation of my computers laptops hard drive digital media cell phones at the probation officer's discretion whenever they suspect me of any sort of nefarious activity okay so you you you've given up your digital privacy well, Correct. you didn't have a choice, I guess, right? Correct. But there, well, well, there's something even even worse than that. It's called a computer internet monitoring program. Ah. Um, my original plea bargain was they're going to put me on the computer internet monitoring program, which is basically they installed this federally sponsored malware onto your your computer. It only works on Windows computers. So if you use a Linux laptop, you, you have to install Windows on it now. And it will slow down the hell out of your computer. Um, (laughs) There is a keynote provided by Stefan Watt, the hacker that uh, caused the TJ Maxx hack with Albert Gonzalez. Stole 
maybe $200 billion in credit cards. Oh. Um, he did two years for writing the Sniffer program, and he was placed on the computer internet monitoring program after he left SeaTac, uh, which is the Seattle-Tacoma complex. Yeah. That's a federal prison in uh, Washington. Oh, we know it as an airport. <laughs> there's a SeaTac prison as well. Yeah, okay. there's a SeaTac prison, federal okay. prison. Yeah. Dude, I'm learning already. This is insane. Yeah. Oh, well, the Feds has its own system, you know. <laughs> yes. The Feds has like a, a national menu. Yeah. Um, Thursday lunchtime, you always get chicken on the bone, uh. which is better than steak. Like you get real chicken on the bone. Uh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, wh- wh- where were we at? Um, so originally, well, so you've done some hacking things and you got caught and busted for trying to crack into United Airlines. That's correct. So, so that's tough. Like a lot of uh, a lot of Americans have a positive view of United Airlines, right? So they're going to go, well, "Why are you trying to hack into them?" United? Um, not at 2017. There was yeah. a man named David Dow that got beaten up and dragged off a plane. Mm. He was uh, shown for about maybe three, six months on social media. Yeah, and of uh, they called him the Asian Rosa Parks. Yeah, um, I thought that you know name or nickname is absurd mm. um he's just an asian doctor that got, that got beaten up by a bunch of united airlines executives mm. and dragged off a plane wait it wasn't literally executives right it was uh, it was executives executives wanted the seat that uh david dow was sitting on oh he was he out of five people he was the only guy that did not vacate his seat because he paid for his ticket yeah and you know he got beaten up and dragged off a plane um, I was reading on Twitter about all these Asian right groups call him the Asian Rosa Parks, and I thought that was just weak shit. Yeah. I thought, you know, they make these kinds of comments on Twitter, and then they go back to playing League of Legends. Yeah. You know, they don't do shit. Right. I did something. So th- this was your motivation for hacking United? Correct. And wow. methamphetamine. I was very high. So it was a combination <laughs> of um, anger, Yeah. methamphetamine, Man, I'm I'm blown away already. I'm yeah. I, like I have so many questions. I'm trying not to Go derail on. you from your story. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you, uh, so you mentioned uh, we saw the social media story of the dude got dragged off the plane, and you felt there was a great injustice there, and you go, you know, people aren't doing shit, so you were motivated to go. Right. So you're amplified by meth. Yes. <laughs> I, I like I, I I would like to yeah. tell you about the crazy, insane fantasies I had in my mind about what I was actually going to do once again, a foothold in United Airlines. Uh-huh. But uh, that could probably bring in me like a far greater indictment, you know? Right. Yeah. No, well, I mean, so we can, we can focus on if, if you want to tell your story. So what, what did you do? <clears throat> you know, cause most people aren't computer people. So when you, when you say you hacked in, um, we, we have a vague idea. Well, um, generally according to, you know, the cyber security kill chain, the first step is to gain a foothold. Mm-hmm. A foothold could be anything like running an exploit against a vulnerable unpatched server and it throws back a shell, a command shell. Mm-hmm. And then you can escalate your privileges through that command shell to get to uh, root or system. Yeah. And then at that point, you own everything on that computer. Mm. Then you perform something called a pivot, which is also known as lateral movement, where you use that compromised machine to jump into another machine and then attack uh, other machines, hopefully looking for the domain controller for Microsoft Windows systems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you were able to tap into United's computers. Well, what I did was I did some open source intelligence. Mm -hmm. I simply used Google. 
Yeah. I found the emails of um, United Airlines executives. Mm. I then wrote a spear phishing email. Spear phishing is when you target um, spear phishing. Actually, like, like there's phishing, yeah. spear phishing, and whaling. Mm. Whaling is just the same as spear phishing, in my opinion. Because phishing, it means that you send a phishing scam email, you hope someone clicks and pays you Bitcoin or something or mm-hmm. runs the payload. Spear- mm. Should we just, uh, explain? Phishing is also, so like an email could say, um, say you know this exact uh, deals with, let's say Hertz car rental. So you would, you would send an email saying you're from Hertz and uh, they've won a award or, or, right. award or something. Right, and exactly. Then, and in, in, to fish it, it would, your... Uh, your email, that email address would say uh, Joe at Hertz.com, right. even though it's actually, it's from some other IP address or address, but it shows up as Joe at Hertz.com. So right. they think it's legit. So mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. So um, because of that, also at the time, United Airlines did not have three uh, checks in, installed for their emails for security. There's uh, three uh, types of email uh, security standards mm. you can use. It uh, could be used on your web domain right now. Uh, it's called SPF, Sender Policy Framework. Yeah. Then you have uh, Domain Keys Identified Mail. Yeah. And then you have DMARC. Um, and these three frameworks basically verify that the sender is who they are. So that email spoofing wouldn't work. It would just either get flagged or uh-huh. thrown in the spam folder. So did, at that time, did United have their own internal email system? Is that what you were going into? or Yes. Because like, like a lot of companies would use an Outlook email right is that different than no they, they have their own internal email system okay yeah where, where they're hosting and storing all their own right. internal okay yeah right i mean I, I should have like went through my discovery you know more but i do remember it came from united airlines domains and i did find an email address to impersonate that came from it mm-hmm. um but i instead uh chose a someone i can't say the name unfortunately that's okay yeah but um it, she has an email from the Federal Aviation Administration. Ah. So playing upon the David Dow story, yeah. I um, basically made an impersonated message saying, you know, please review these new guidelines from the FAA and TSA yeah. um, for airport screening procedures. And within it is PDF files that contain a remote access Trojan. Ah. So when they open the PDF file, yeah. um, they won't see anything. Yeah. But I would have already gotten access in their system at that very moment. Just just from the fact of opening the PDF. Of opening the PDF. Wow. Is yeah. uh, spear phishing, uh, sorry, just to jump back to be more clear. So spear phishing, you, you found these email addresses of, uh, of United Airlines execs. And the spear part is you actually, you know the 10 right. people that you want. Right. And you, spend, you send 10 emails directly to these 10 people. Whereas typically, I think in a spam phishing type of thing, it's, Email a million people and hope right. you get one person. Okay, and right. then the whale does the uh, is the whale thing that's similar or what? Uh, it, I, I think you know, yes. like whaling is like going after the top top executives, the mm. CEO. But you know, I think it's just something that you know some wannabe cybersecurity professional slash fraud <laughs> pulled out of their ass. Gotcha. You know, okay. Like um, I nowadays I use techniques like Tor over VPN. I have realized that I have used Tor over VPN two years before someone on Google came up with the term Tor over VPN. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these quote unquote cyber security professionals, you know, they, they, they pull terms out of their ass yeah, to make yeah. themselves look cool. Yeah. So when you see all these um, 
uh, coverages from so-called cybersecurity professionals on CNN about the Colonial Pipelines hack. We don't even know who these people are. They're yeah. not Palantir Technologies. They're not Imperva. They're not CrowdStrike. They're just some nobody that wants to promote their own dumb-ass, you know, like, mm. you know, cybersecurity business. They just want their 30 seconds of fame. Yeah. Yeah. It's free advertising. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so then once the FA or was it the United Airlines uh, exec that opened that email that they thought was from FAA? And then what did you do from there? Well, at that point, I would have gained a foothold, but I probably would have not had an administrative account. Mm. I would do a technique called privilege escalation. Privilege escalation would require things like using an exploit on a vulnerable application to exploit it to gain root privileges mm -hmm. or to find a uh, system misconfiguration or, you know, if the executive is stupid enough to leave like a, a passwords.txt file on the desktop folder, mm. then I find that. And then I can just immediately become admin. <laughs> yeah. For some of these tools that you're using, are they things that you've purchased online or you're custom building or you've learned and is it open source <clears throat> stuff that you're pulling online or? This is the most disturbing part is that my tools are either something that were open source or that I developed or that I stole. Yeah. Just when I got out of federal prison right now, um, I found out that the much uh, well-known Cobalt Strike by Raphael Smudge, uh, which is a strategic cyber LLC. Cobalt Strike is a post-exploitation uh, command and control framework. Mm. And it uses these beacons that can talk to other beacons within a compromised network to act as proxies to exfiltrate data it uses malleable C2 profiles. C2 means command and control. So it can change its traffic at will. It has different obfuscation encryption modules within to make the payload harder to detect. It usually is a $3,500 license. You must provide a company name so that, you know, strategic cyber LLC knows that they're not selling to cyber criminals. Yeah. But uh, last March, somebody leaked the source code to Cobalt Strike 4.0. Yeah. So now Cobalt Strike 4.0 to 4.2 is now on GitHub for free. Damn. So now bad actors, and, and it's well known within uh, darkreading.com that uh, a lot of bad actors, including Russian hackers, are using Cobalt Strike as either a first stage or a second stage payload to you know do real malicious hacking. Well, so shouldn't uh, GitHub not share that then? Is GitHub... GitHub is cracking down, but I still keep finding copies. Oh, yeah. so they can't catch them as fast as they're being posted up. Right. There's uh, about over a thousand forks after the source quote code leak. Mm. And the original source code leak is already still online. It's written in Java. Yeah. So you only need an open Java developer kit 11 yeah. to compile Cobalt Strike. Yeah. And now you have uh, the latest edition or near latest edition of Cobalt Strike. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of say a story. Then I'll, uh, there's a question at, at the end towards... Uh, what I'm going to ask you. Uh, when I was in college for uh, computer networks back in 2002, 2001, the, uh, one, of the uh, one of my classmates, uh, I went over his house where I think I, I was asking for a copy of Windows or something. I forget what, back then what I, what I was doing, but he started showing me all these things. He's like, hey, I, could buy, I bought this Trojan horse that does this. If I send it to our teacher at school, then I could get into their computer. Right. Um, and he was saying, yeah, I bought this for like 50 cents online. And then yeah. here, check out this other one I bought. So we're, uh, my question to you is how, how 
is that different nowadays? Is it much easier? Is it free? Some of the things he, he was saying, I think it was like a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. Oh, now you're looking at maybe twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, for a FUD, fully undetectable uh, Trojan written by Russians on these Russian hacking forums. Oh, damn. So I'm, I probably have not properly introduced myself. I am the Slayer Ranger. I am deeply entrenched in both the good and the bad guys. I have known people that work for penetration testing companies, ma- various managed uh, security service providers, yeah, including CrowdStrike which is well known for detecting malware. They were the ones that came up with hybridanalysis.com. They have um, a malware analysis engine called Falcon. You say you used to work at CrowdStrike? Oh, no, I don't, I don't work at CrowdStrike. I, I know people that okay. worked at CrowdStrike. Yeah. I did get interviewed prior to my FBI indictment for Booz Allen Hamilton. Mm, yeah. That's to, a big uh, defense contractor. Right. They're probably the only uh, defense contractor that contracts only to the government, mm-hmm. um, including the NSA. Mm. Um, for me, they, they're planning to, at the time, this is, they don't want me anymore, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, they, too, they, too they, much bad side on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, uh, they wanted me to do penetration testing against the United States Navy vessels. Yeah. Yeah. Can you describe, uh, penetration testing just for the common user that may not know computers <laughs> at all? Well, penetration testing, there's actually very different types of uh, penetration testing. But mm-hmm. penetration testing is just uh, basically being hired by a client company to hire a group of red teamers slash penetration testers to see if they can break into their systems. And it doesn't necessarily have to be computer systems. Mm. It can be um, physical systems. Mm-hmm. Like I know these people that, you know, that also had a YouTube video where they hacked a power plant. I can't mention their his name. I can't mention the company. Yeah. But they're well known for hacking a uh, – they're paid – to hack a power plant in the Midwest. Yeah. And they use physical penetration testing. So they can use things like a shove it tool, which um, basically bypass the bolt and lock mechanism uh, mm. behind the door to open a lock. Yeah. Um, they also check for locks to see if they're poorly built. They can also use lock picks. I, I know how to use lock picks tool. Mm. Um, as well as, uh, well, for me, what I would do if I were to break in is use a slide hammer puller. They're called dent pullers. So you can go to AutoZone and mm. buy or rent a dent puller. Yeah. And uh, you just take a titanium screw and you put it at the end of the dent puller and then you just rip out the lock. It mm. obviously breaks the lock, but you get what you want. So you can't sneak in, but you can break in. Right. So penetration testing is if a big company or organization has something they're trying to secure uh, physically and uh, connected computers. They're saying, hey, we've set up all this stuff. We hire all these people. We've got millions of dollars invested in protecting what we're trying to protect. So we want to test it to see if it works. We're going to hire you to be the bad guy. We're going to hire you right. to try to break our system because we want to know where we're weak. Right. If, if you're coming in from the outside, what are you going to think of that we didn't think of? What, what path in are you going to find that we didn't already defend against? So now we can step up our defense and adjust our Precisely. system to, yeah. Right. Okay. So that that's when you're penetration testing, you're a good guy. Technically, um, we'll have to notify the police yeah. that we're doing a penetration test. That's what my friend in this, you know, red team company, yeah. you know, has said. He always has to call the cops ahead of hand. Otherwise, <laughs> when the real cops get in, you know, yeah. all hell can break loose. Right, because you're you're doing the act of breaking and entering, and right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. That's um, fascinating. 
Well, so, I mean, there's, there's so many things to ask. Uh, so prior to this, uh, uh, as far as we know, you, uh, you got busted trying to hack into United. You're obviously very um, interested in the world of hacking and, and defense and security. So how did how did that how did you lead up to that? Were you a computer scientist in college, and then no, um, I, I was just an angry person. You know, I broke up with my ex. She was a United States Army Signals Intelligence, mm. and she hacked into my laptop to watch me through my webcam. Oh, she hacked my webcam drivers. Weird, yeah. And I found out because I found out that the drivers were malfunctioning, so I took it in and had it, you know, reinstalled. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I got to just up my game. You know, yeah. so um, that, that, that's just another thing I want to talk about was, you know, this is around the year of 2014, 2016. Yeah. And a lot of people on the internet, when they talk about hacking, especially on YouTube, are completely full of shit. Mm. I have, out of the five years I've spent learning how to hack, mm -hmm. three years were spent wasting my time on nobite.com, which is a site full of script kitties. That means people that don't know what they're doing, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, idiots, student, idiot teenagers on YouTube that don't know what they're doing. You know, I right. wasted three of those five years not going after the correct material. Yeah. So, so in the hacking world, there's a lot of BS and amateurs yes. and, and junk. Yeah. And then it takes time to get good at it. Like any, I mean, uh, presumably it takes a lot of skill and a lot of knowledge. Well, um, I'll, just for the viewers of this podcast... Yeah. Um, the fastest track I found was going to Barnes and Noble and reading this book called Sispy, Eighth Edition. <laughs> if you want to be a hacker, here's where you start. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and then, well, it doesn't even have the word hacking in the title. Yeah. It's a basic IT. Um, it's actually uh, one of the top, most regarded uh, cybersecurity certifications. Yeah. Now I didn't. Buy this book, the CISSP Study Guide, the Certified Information Sy uh, Information System Security Professional Study Guide, just for the purpose of being a CISP. Mm. I did it because I just wanted to learn the basics of networking, the TCP/IP stack, mm -hmm. you know, the how UDP works, how VPNs work. Yeah. So I selectively read this 1,300-page book. High on meth, mind you. So I was, <laughs> so I, I, I was, I was reading this one thousand three hundred page book at Barnes and Noble without buying it for, oh. two, for two hundred pages a day. Okay. Do you read faster when you're on meth? Yes. Okay. Was the meth due to the girlfriend? Like, did was it a? Oh, don't you blame her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she sounded like a keeper if she's going to spy on the camera. She just want to see him masturbated. Um, <laughs> she's a keeper. <laughs> she want to see who the other bitch was. Oh, okay. Um, but, um, yeah. Like, uh, Sorry to make light of your painful situation, I know. It wasn't really that painful. Okay. It, it, it's, it, it's been almost a decade, you know. The yeah. pain between me and her has been gone. Yeah. You know? But it's me interesting that you identified that's the moment. Yeah. That kind of set you down this path. That set me down a path to defending myself. And then I guess a lot of things just make me angry on the news. You mm -hmm. know, um, Donald Trump just got elected in November 2016. Yeah. I, I just want to make it clear that I'm not a Democrat or Republican. Right. I'm a libertarian. Mm -hmm. um, ideologically, I'm farther on the right. Yeah. I believe that you should open your own responsibilities. The government shouldn't be giving you a handout to, you know, pay for your problems, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I believe that, you know, Democrats are spending way too much money mm -hmm. irresponsibly. And I believe the Republicans 
Well, they, a lot of them are just kiss asses of Trump. Mm. You know, they're willing to sacrifice their own, like Liz Cheney, you know, just for talking bad about Trump. Yeah. You know, but that, that's just where, where I stand politically. I'm actually much farther on the right than, you know, the, the typical Trump-loving Republican. You're, so you're a right-leaning libertarian. Right. Okay. Which is a direct, direct opposite of liberals. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think we derailed from your earlier question. Did you have a... Uh, no, or I don't remember. Um, Sorry. Let's jump to the I got, two. I got busy defending his ex. The, the two years, <laughs> the two years that you felt where you started learning. So you're suggesting that book. Um, what was the name of that book? Uh, the CISSP Study Guide, okay. eighth edition by Sean Harris. Uh, she's from the United States Air Force, and she trained. She's probably the founder of the United States Cyber Command. I, I believe. Mm. Um, the next book I would recommend is. Uh, Learning Python the Hard Way. Mm. Uh, learning the Python the Hard Way would teach you the very basis of Python programming. Although, in my opinion, I think it's a scripting language because it operates through an interpreter. Um, sure. Through uh, after Python, learning Python the Hard Way, I would suggest reading. What else? I had like a list of like twenty six books when I, that I wrote in federal prisons to say, hey, yeah. you know, like uh, people were asking me how to hack, so I gave them buy these twenty six books, and then you know you'll learn how to hack. I mean, is it smart to tell everybody how to become a hacker? Is that a? Is that what I, I, I think, I think, um, like a, it should be democratized. You know, the availability of cybersecurity. Okay. Um, I believe that everybody should learn at least something about two-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. To you know, learn how to protect their passwords, to not fall for a phishing site, mm. to learn how TLS works. Like uh, what's TLS? Transport layer security. That's basically the successor to SSL. A lot of people, when they talk about VPNs and encryption and HTTPS, yeah, you know, on your web browser, they're they're going to say SSL. Well, SSL has been obsolete for at least like ten years. Oh, TL- Lim totally believes in SSL and he trusts it. When we, I think I would put it like that, but <laughs> no, if I got if I got the little lock symbol on my website, I'm cool. Your browser will actually warn you if you're using outdated SSL 3.0. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I believe the only version of, S, uh, t- of TLS, which is what SSL refers to now, ah. is TLS, which is transfer layer security. Okay. Uh, the minimum you can use is 1.2. Even okay. Though so 1. on my Chrome browser, they're doing TLS and I don't have to worry too much. Right. Okay. Even though people will come up to you and say, oh, yeah, I'm using encryption, I'm using SSL, they're yeah. really talking about transport layer security. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, no, this for anybody that's not a programmer, this is cutting edge information. This is I, I don't find it cutting edge at all. I, I think you can <laughs> Google this in five minutes. Well, I mean, for well, most yeah. people, I mean, yeah. I'm a programmer. You come from a hacking background. To us, that stuff is pretty easy. When I try to explain that, so like, uh, what was it, like four, three yeah. years ago when you were trying to set up your website on WordPress, yeah. um, and then I said, one of my suggestions, if he self-hosts to get an SSL, for his HTTPS so that he could get searched on Google. That was my own right. my only reason. Yeah. Um, so anyways, for me to explain that to him back then, it's, uh, Emmett's not like a computer guy. He's yeah. fairly, he's pretty smart, but he's not a computer guy. I, I don't spend all day, look, you know. So for me to explain it to him, 
yeah. it's still some time for him to understand and whatnot. So I, I'm just explaining. I think Emmett's pretty smart. So imagine other people that normal people that that yeah. don't even understand SSL, HTTPS, and any of this hey, stuff. Hey, right. uh, for our listeners, if you want to see a website that's about to be taken down, go to emvegas.com. <laughs> And you're going to see a website that's about to be taken off the internet. <laughs> why, why is it getting taken off? Ah, it's beautiful, but uh, it's never once gotten me a real estate client. <laughs> like it's never gotten me any business. So I just spend money on this website that does nothing that sits there. It might as well be sitting in 1998. We well, might as well just host on Netlify.com. You know, Netlify. oh, I'm sorry. How do I know that's not full of hackers? Well, Netlify.com basically gives you a free account to host whatever you like on it. Yeah. As long as like a, it's a, like a low overhead website, just, you know, like an index, HTML, a yeah. few JavaScript, you know. That's the problem. Script. Nobody's going to it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to host it for free, just put on Netlify. And okay. then through the URL on Netlify, they'll give you a randomly generated URL. Yeah. Um, on your DNS settings, give a canonical name, a C name record pointing to that specific URL. Yeah. So you only have to pay for the domain name registration. Yeah. And then you don't have to pay a cent to hosting the website. Yeah, but it still does nothing for me. <laughs> but I mean, you're out there. Eventually, you'll, 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 you'll snack someone. And it's only going to cost you $5 a year to have a domain name. Okay, I might try that. Netlify. Yeah. Got it. See, this is the benefit of talking to uh, computer geniuses. <laughs> so I can learn things. So during that, that uh, was it the five years of learning, the last two years is when you started uh going into better books and whatnot. Right. At what point did you know you were breaking the law? When I <laughs> when made the meth. decision. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. When I made the decision to smoke meth. That's right. <laughs> no, no, on the computer, computer stuff. Uh, well, let's see. I was already high on meth. So I already know I was already breaking the law. <laughs> and I had a law, lot of law-breaking fantasies while I was high on meth. Uh. I, mean, I mean, obviously, you guys don't do meth. I don't want to accuse you of anything. But, you know, like, it's a really different experience when you're on dope. When yeah. you, when you uh, open a shell on someone's ass. You know, it's like an orgasm. You know, you make, it makes you feel good. Wait, what is open a shell on someone's ass? Well, basically, you pop a shell, meaning you get them to open a payload, or you found an exploitable web server online, oh, I see what you're about. and then you run an exploit, yeah. and that exploit returns you a, a shell. In the past, one were these people that done something bad to you, or what was the situation? That, almost every single person, except for Giant Airlines, has done something bad to me. Mm. Slandered me said shit about me, you know, started rumors about me, you so, know. So the motivation for your activities was personal. Right. Like, um, so maybe United Airlines was my biggest mistake because that wasn't personal yeah. because that was me, you know, doing it for the Asians. So one of the things I did um, while I was on meth was break into 73 wireless hotspots in Las Vegas. 73 wireless hotspots. Okay. Um, basically just routers. Um, I, I, I've shown you, uh, you know, the list. Can you pull up the list right now? Yeah. So is that, di <coughs> is that different than somebody's home router? Um, it's exactly the their same home. as their home router. Okay. And uh, I have been able to reinstall the firmware of the router mm. and make it look perfectly the same. Yeah. So I basically uh, used OpenWRT. That's a special router firmware. Yeah. So once I got their admin password, after I hacked into their PSK, uh, their pre-shared key yeah. to their router, I reinstalled the firmware and then I reconfigured their default OpenVPN configuration to create a site-to-site -site VPN between my house and their home. Mm -hmm. 
And then I could commit additional cyber crimes using their public IP address provided by Cox Communications. Oh, so this is the list that he sent me. So for every line, every group here, that's one, one password, one site. There's one that's very amusing. Uh, the password was fuck you too. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he knew you were coming to fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, um, I, I tried the password. I couldn't believe what I was looking at when I cracked it. <laughs> it, it, it worked. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is you can hack into people's wife, their home Wi-Fi, and then any activity you do will point back to their house, right? Correct. To that location. So that's a way of uh, hiding your location. Right. Okay. That's crazy. Is there any other? I mean, so. I it, does that hurt the person otherwise? Are you using some of their bandwidth or? I am using a little bit of their bandwidth, their uh, registered IP address. I yeah. am using their, if I was using it to download movies and porn, you know, that's their bandwidth that they're paying for. But it's also yeah. my bandwidth because it's coming through my home cable modem. Yeah. But you know? ba then basically they would never notice you. Except they check the data usage. Yeah. Who does that? Right. Uh, what was the route to get or what was the um, <clears throat> mistake that they had? So, like, I'd be curious on you hacking my network just to no, don't ask not, to not do so it. much to hack it, but so that I know what to do better. Just gonna look at all my um, do, do, do you see the the equipment I left there? Yeah. So I want you to pick up the the, the stick, the, the Yagi antenna and then show it to the camera. And then, uh, yeah, the Wi-Fi pineapples, the square router. Yeah. All right, we got some high tech equip coming online Let's here. Yeah. So for okay. our, for our listening audience, Lim is holding a. Uh, that is a panel a antenna. That one. Yeah, it's a, a square panel antenna. It looks like a cutting board, but lighter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, basically. Out the back. Yeah. Uh, this allows me to project wireless signals at about a twenty-four to thirty-degree angle, so I can make a rogue hotspot that looks just like your router. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, with that. Hotspot. I would, <laughs> I would um, trick you into connecting to my hotspot and add your password to it. So I would have gotten either your admin password or your pre-shared key to your router. So now that stick that you're holding on to is a Yagi antenna. So this is all connected together. This is. It looks like an old school kind of radio antenna. Actually, uh, um, the those antennas are also called Yagi antennas. The ones that you see on top of people's houses. Yeah. That one, um, they're exactly the same antenna design. The Yagi antenna projects basically like a laser beam. Yeah. Of wireless signal, okay. so I can connect to your household with the amplifier in the router, which is the Wi-Fi pineapple. So, uh, so connected to yeah. these two things is another. It looks like a router at your house with a little you know, plastic antenna sticking off of it. Right. Oh, the plastic antenna is for my command and control hotspot. So it has its own yeah. command and control hotspot that can control with my iPhone. Yeah. Uh, WLAN one is connected to the, um, the Yagi antenna. Yeah. So I would give orders through my iPhone to, uh, oh, okay. I was just looking at what you're doing to the antenna. Um, I understand this technology. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, yes, they're pointing at me. If I was a router, I would have been owned as a router because I would have I would have deauthenticated anyone um, that was connected to the router and then listen for the WPA2 handshake yeah. and then I just use something like uh, nowadays we have online password cracking services so we don't know the password once we capture the handshake we have to crack it mm -hmm. oh, so gotcha. so this goes back to your original question um, don't have an easily guessable password because uh, a lot of easily guessable WPA passwords are on word lists that you can download online. 
Oh. Yeah. And then you can um, basically use a word list with Hashcat to run it against, you know, your uh, WPA handshake capture. Yeah. And then through that uh, encrypted handshake, I might be able to crack it and figure out your PSK, your pre-shared key. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I will come back, and then I will bring in the, the other device. Uh, Liam, can you show them the, the box with the little antenna? <clears throat> Okay, I got a Raspberry Pi, right? Right, that's a Raspberry Pi. That is a Raspberry Pi with a wireless adapter. Um, also within the uh, white plastic box is um, two uh, cellular, cellular charging stations or power packs. So um, the orange one is the cellular one right there. And then if I were to, I didn't charge the cellular one because I just got it in the mail right today on Amazon. Yeah, solar. So this, so this is you can you can do your hacking operation anywhere without even as long as the sun's shining. Right. Okay. I just put it next to the house with all uh, right off like maybe behind the dumpster in a open McDonald's bag or something like that. Um, oh, you're, gonna, you're gonna plant this equipment and then it'll tap into their Wi-Fi. It connects to their Wi-Fi. It then connects back using a reverse SSH tunnel back to my virtual private server on the cloud. I then yeah. log in through the tunnel in my virtual private server through my laptop at Starbucks, yeah. college, uh, you know, any free Wi-Fi I can find, my house Wi-Fi, and then I can remotely send commands to the Raspberry Pi, which is, if you were to point at it, um, that then I can have, um, that one has Kali Linux for the Raspberry Pi installed, so I can run uh, programs like Metasploit on it. I can also run Routersploit, which means I can look for vulnerabilities in your router, your IP cams, Look for the passwords inside of there. Hack your camera. Hack your printer. Face. <laughs> so so the, I think oh, I think this is probably a sixty dollar device. Is probably twenty. Um, actually, that was a thirty five dollars. And then uh, this is probably 30, thirty bucks. This one's probably twenty. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, what are the prices on that? On um, the, if you want to show the camera again, um. <laughs> So the the uh, directional microwave laser, <laughs> yeah. So just just ballpark. So um, the Wi-Fi pineapple, um, I bought the Wi-Fi pineapple, which is the router that you're holding. Uh, I bought that for about ninety nine dollars. Um, right, I bought that for ninety nine dollars because I used to have three wireless penetration testing adapters, yeah. but I found out it was cheaper just to buy. A Wi-Fi pineapple instead of just replacing my $50 penetration testing adapters. I got three network cards on that. You know, I would have paid $150 if I were to buy, you know, yeah. the actual part myself. Now the Yaki antenna that you're holding right there is gonna run about um, 50 bucks. 50 bucks. And then the pan patch antenna is also gonna run just over 50 bucks. So you're looking about 300, three about 300 dollars for all this equipment and this. Now, the other piece of it then, so it only gets you the encrypted password technically. Technically. And then you still have to know, that you have to have the know-how to... Uh, to run a dictionary attack to crack it. Gotcha. Uh -oh. So if somebody doesn't have happy birthday as their password. Well, what I, I was expecting you to say that. Oh, um, really? Yeah. How do you know? Well, I would use a tool called Wi-Fi Fisher. Okay. Wi-Fi Fisher is actually open and available on GitHub. Yeah. And... I would create a rogue hotspot using the patch antenna that was just on the camera. Yeah. And then I would generate a hotspot that looks just like yours. Yeah. Then I would use my Yagi antenna, the one that points as a laser, 
to jam the communications on your original router. Mm-hmm. I will try to trick you into connecting to my rogue hotspot uh, that looks just like yours, uh, and then I'm going to trick you into giving me not only yeah. your your pre-shared key to log into the router, but also your administrator password because Wi-Fi Fisher mimics the router login page of the brand of router that is mimicking. So if 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 our Wi-Fi goes down and we're trying to patch back in, go check outside the house for McDonald's bags before we do that. Yes, maybe. Okay. <laughs> or, or, but you have to understand that these devices that you just showed yeah. has a range in the city of over a mile away. Okay. Pre-amplified. So you, oh, so you could be you could be three houses over. I'd never see you. Oh, I could be much harder than that. So yeah. without an amplifier, um, the Wi-Fi pineapple that you just showed me on camera, the little router, yeah, um, already has built-in amplifiers in its chipset. So that gives me well, a. How do these have such range when we're like trying to connect to our bedroom and it's like you're you're too far away from your signal? <laughs> so uh, when he got here, I was out in the park, <laughs> out in the driveway. Yeah. I was trying to use my phone and the Wi-Fi wasn't reaching that far. And he was saying, "Oh, that that's good for you." <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, okay. So 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 um yes. So for the for the Wi-Fi security for anyone that's listening, yeah, you should probably shut down your 2.4 gigahertz networks. Oof. Because 2.4 gigahertz gives you gives me a very long range to reach you. Uh-huh. I say oof because <laughs> a lot of uh, devices still use 2.4. I mean, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of people they just use it for the convenience, mm-hmm. you know. But um, uh, you would stick with uh, five gigahertz. And nowadays they have Wi-Fi 6E, which uses a six gigahertz band. Yeah. Um. So five gigahertz and up makes like, passing through walls really really hard. Um, so I have to drive up to your house literally to hack a five gigahertz uh, hotspot. Uh, okay, so our home Wi-Fi's are designed to be short range on purpose. Right. Okay. But except for your two point four gigahertz, that would just allows the idea. You know, I can hack yeah. that from half a mile away. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, this is fascinating. So uh, for home users, if you got a 2.4 gig instead of a 5 gig, you want to upgrade to 5 gig. Or just turn off on a lot of routers. They have 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. Just uh-huh. turn off 2.4 gigahertz and tell all your devices to connect to the 5 gigahertz one. Yeah, get on the I, 5G already. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I would just say I, I think there's so many devices that are stuck on the 2.4, as in there's so many, I don't like Alexa. I don't know the, the, those little Alexa units and um, um, all your. Oh, you're fucked on Alexa anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of IoT devices, probably like your refrigerator, that if it's connected to Wi-Fi, a lot of those devices are still on 2.4, I believe. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, that's why people have to keep 2.4 gigahertz up for the compatibility and yeah, not just yeah. for the range. Yeah. Oh, don't right. hack my fridge, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I got a story to tell you. Uh, <laughs> yes. I got a story to tell you. Um, it's about a, a story of a some Polish penetration testers that managed to hack the wireless network of a client company that hired them Mm. by hacking into their Bluetooth Wi-Fi connected coffee cup. The cup, okay. They used a Bluetooth antenna, not the Wi-Fi antennas they just showed on the YouTube channel, but they used a Bluetooth antenna and they found that the password was six zeros for the the coffee maker, the Bluetooth coffee maker. Yeah. Uh, They also found out it was also Wi-Fi capable, so they dug out the Wi-Fi password from the coffee machine mm. yeah wait so what did this coffee cup do it just kept your coffee warm and yeah and, and i guess like uh, i i don't know what else. i don't even know why it's even networked to be honest with I mean, you is it going to send you back your current coffee temperature that'd be kind of cool i yeah. don't know why but this is why they got hacked 
Dude, you know? I'm ready to sell all my security if, if my coffee cup can tell me how warm my coffee is. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, there's just so many, so, so many, anything that's attached to any network is hackable, ultimately. I, right. Uh, I mean, I watched some uh, short documentary on, they had a kid's toy that would go out through the Wi-Fi and then connect to the game, to their, to the, um, the company that makes this little doll and mm-hmm. it would give an, a new verbal saying for the, you know, the, like the little doll says, hi, how was your day or whatever, whatever the new saying right. But that doll is housing the password, like you're saying, the same exact thing. And uh, a, people were able to hack into the doll, get the Wi-Fi password, and then even they could upload a new saying and they could say, hey, fuck you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's terrible. You're never so. going to amount to anything. So, <laughs> so Quit <it's>, school now. <laughs> it's scary when I watch some of these ha- hacker documentaries and whatnot. And they, they, some people, uh, what's, I think the one that I, I thought the most interesting quote, they said, unless it's a computer offline and even then bury that computer six foot underground with no wires attached and have it off, that's probably the only way it can't be hacked. I'm like, geez. This you're, is- you're, you're talking about air gapping in an extreme form. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The CIA. Well, in- I, I think that person was also trying to say, um, you have to have it off. Dude. They were just trying to make an extreme case. Right. That anything's hackable. Right. Like even air gap machines are hackable. The, in the, mm-hmm. in a, Julian Assange in WikiLeaks back in 2017, um, they uh, had a thing called Vault 7. Mm. And it was basically a leak of the CIA NSA hacking tools. Mm-hmm. And one of the tools is called Brutal Kangaroo. Brutal Kangaroo attacks air gap devices by jumping from USB drive to USB drive, replicating itself until it finally was able to ping the internet and then send back the stolen data. One of the recommendations I can, I can tell you when it comes to USB or keystroke injection attacks. There's a tool made by Hack5. They also made the Wi-Fi pineapple that just got shown on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the rubber ducky. And the USB rubber ducky, when you plug it into a, a logged-in computer, like a mm-hmm. Linux or Windows computer or a Mac computer, it would take over the keyboard and automatically send commands to download a second-stage payload to mm-hmm. infect the computer. So... Um, for Linux users, there's a tool on the standard Debian app repo that's also on Ubuntu and Kali Linux. It's called USB Guard. And basically, it does not allow any interactivity unless you allow it for any USB device. So if you plugged in a USB hard drive, an external hard drive to it, it won't work until you specifically authorize that device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I asked the viewers to avoid keystroke injection attacks, which basically means a malicious flash drive plugs in, drops a payload, or attempts to download a payload from the internet using the USB drive. Yeah. Um, I actually got a story to tell you because... Uh, well, I, so, so basically any USB device you find anywhere... That's, can be that, hacked. Well, but that's not a prize. You didn't just find some free USB... No, it, it's something made just for you. It's a gift just for you. Yeah. With well, another gift. If you ever have anything USB pluggable that you that wasn't your plan, like if you didn't go buy a lamp on Amazon or if you were walking in the parking lot and you see something with a USB plug, don't ever plug that in. Well, it, it depends though because how the USB rubber ducky works is that it's basically a USB storage device with a special CPU. Yeah. That um, a lot of these, um, a lot of uh, USB drives cannot be turned into rubber duckies. You have to buy specific USB drives with hackable USB chipsets. Okay. And um, that, that's where I'm going to go with my story. So, I, I so didn't, USBs do have some security built in to help prevent that. 
No. Uh, uh, no. He's uh, talking about the special rubber ducky thingy that. He right, right, right. Oh, the yeah. USB rubber ducky. You, you should find a link to, um, you know, Hack 5 for the rubber ducky. Mm -hmm. um, I tried, I went on GitHub and I found out that you can make a free USB rubber ducky for like, you know, $25. Mm -hmm. um, basically, you buy a specific type of USB drive and you can hack the firmware for that USB drive and it would automatically do keystroke injection attacks. Mm -hmm. So like I said before, a keystroke injection attack opens up a command prompt, runs a PowerShell command to download a second stage payload that gets dropped onto Windows, which then um, runs on your computer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the guy was just, you know, taking a pee break or something, and now his computer's infected. Yeah. But, you know, this is back in like 2018, I think, 2017. Yeah. I tried to buy a... Uh, a cheap USB drive that I can hack to make myself a budget rubber ducky. Mm -hmm. And some asshole bought all fucking 20, you know, pieces of the USB drive. The entire wall is gone. Oh, somebody beat you to it. Yeah, someone beat me to it. So you were doing it because you were interested in how can I do this. Right. And somebody else had a bigger plan. Right. They bought all of this. So then I realized, okay, you know what? Screw this shit. Like, I'm just going to go buy the damn rubber ducky because those USB drives were cost $80 a piece. The ones that you could have customized into a rubber ducky on mm -hmm. GitHub. Yeah. I could get it for cheap from Hack5 for just 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. And for the $80 USB drive that you have to customize into, rubber, into a rubber ducky for GitHub, you have to short out a specific, um, like a connector yeah. to reset it, to reprogram it. Yeah. And you have a tendency to break it. With the USB rubber ducky from Hack 5, you just press a button and it'll go into programming mode mm -hmm. and then you can just reprogram as much as you like. So so what is Hack 5? This is like a hacker enthusiast website? Or it, it, the... It's a hacker penetration testing enthusiast web, uh, a website um, that uh, is run by uh, Darren Kitchen. Yeah. Uh, he has his own channel on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I'm not promoting his product, by the way. I only buy a few of his products. Right. Um, I actually did not like the Wi-Fi pineapple. I personally find the Wi-Fi pineapple in some of his modes to be hard to tame. Yeah, Derek. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, um, um, they just gave it a firmware update <laughs> that made it more controllable. But at a certain point, um, when I was using Pine AP to make rogue access points, I told it to stop doing that. I saved it. I restarted the stupid Wi-Fi pineapple and it starts doing it again. Mm. It, you know, like I, 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 a lot of these things, you know, like um, they're, they're just prone to breakage. I understand that Darren Kitchen is, um, you know, he, he, oh, he really, yeah, Darren Kitchen. Darren Kitchen. Sorry, Darren. You know, um, I, I understand that he's trying to make a product because hackers, a lot of hacking tools, when you, when you, when you use hacking tools or you make your own tools, they break. Mm -hmm. It could be a new version of Python that came out. It could be the stupid Python 2 to Python 3 transition. You know, it yeah. could be like a dependency problem. Um, a lot of hacker tools break, you know, and you have to fix it yourself. Yeah. You know, well, you're trying to get this thing to do something it wasn't intended to do. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, like uh, I personally write in Go now, uh, Google Golang, mm -hmm. which I think is better than Python. Um, it's uh, a lot of hackers will disagree on this, but. The Python 2 to Python 3, that transition was a shitstorm. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of breakages. People were still using Python 2.7 when it was finally deprecated about some time when I was in federal prison, you know? <laughs> yes. um, so um, I switched to writing in Golang. 
Uh, Golang has a thing called concurrency and is uh, managed for Go routines. Yeah. So you can make a layer seven uh, stressor, which is a, a web application attack tool. So you're, you heard about DDoS, uh, distributed denial of service attack. Mm-hmm. You can create your own DDoS tool in Go by using Go routines using HTTP to send malicious web requests to, let's say, a login form. Um, and, you know, to basically blow up their website, shut down their ability to process orders, stuff so, like that. So Google has their own programming language that they've made. Yeah, or they have multiple programming languages that they made. So you're saying Google Go is a great language for hacking in? Is that oh, yeah. A lot of people, uh, you should read the book <laughs> um, Black Hat Go. Yeah. Uh, it was written in 2020. Yeah. Um, I bought Black Hat Go when I was in prison. I still have a copy of it today in my house. You're allowed to buy books in prison? Yeah. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know. You just can't buy porn. You can, you can buy what? booty. You can buy booty magazines. <laughs> you can have family send you booty magazines. Yeah. Of models and fat booties. You know, we have lots of that. We also have people that smuggled in porn through prison by posing as legal mail. Oh, like your, your documents from the lawyer. Yeah, yeah. And some pussy pictures. Yeah. Okay. So they would just hide on the flash drive. <laughs> no, we don't trust flash drives. <laughs> I'm just thinking like a, a general question. What would be the top five or 10 security things that what commoners could do? Because there's so many people that don't understand computers. But then after that question, I think I want to jump back into your story because I, I think we kind of went on a pretty far tangent. But right. what are five or 10 top things? I'll throw out some suggestions and you could either say. Right, right. Because I need some suggestions. I just got out of prison, you know? Yeah. <laughs> As in like a password manager. Um, oh, yeah. You, you definitely need a password manager. I just want to interrupt you and tell you something like, uh, for me, I use KeyPass on Linux, um, but I heard there's like all kinds of Windows password managers. Just don't download any one from some shady Ukrainian Russian <laughs> SU URL, you know. Yeah. Giving them all your passwords. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, remember, uh, your web browser actually contains its own um, passwords. So uh, when I just got out of prison, I didn't know my two-factor authentication or didn't own the phone number uh-huh. that I used to have. So I try to recover my Gmail account, my cloud services account, oh. my Amazon account, my business account. Yeah. And I couldn't do it because even though I knew the password, I was uh, unable to do it. So I had to hack my own accounts. Wow. So what I did was um, basically before I went to federal prison, I moved a directory called .mozilla slash Firefox. It's on Windows. I mean, I mean not Windows, Linux. Uh-huh. And in Linux, it's your home directory .mozilla Firefox. And that directory contains all of your saved passwords, cookies, settings, porn bookmarks. You know, so if you wanted to go look at whatever you want to look at. You don't want to lose those. Yeah, you can just copy it back over onto the directory. Yeah. And then you can reuse your own credentials without entering into a website. Okay. Well, so, but an average person, if they lost their two-factor authentication, there's not a good way for a regular person to regain those, right? Um, if they, well, it depends on a two-factor authentication. Are we talking about a phone number? Because I keep on getting yeah. one-time passcode bullshit from Amazon. Yeah. So um, this is also a bit technical, but how I recovered it was I recovered my business account by re-registering the domain. I then re-signed up for uh, you know another email account under that domain name, mm. 
and then I got Amazon to actually send an authentication one-time password code to that name mm. through my new registered domain because no one chose to register that domain after I lost it. Okay. And then through that domain, it also asked me for my damn phone number. I'm like, oh, shit, I don't even have that <laughs> phone anymore. So I just made an angry call to Amazon. I was like, say, hey, this is my fucking birthday. This is the last four of my social. This is the last credit card that I use. All right, please give me back my account. And they finally unlocked my account. Uh. You know, um, that, that's pretty much all you can do. Like a two-factor authentication, I understand that's meant to protect the consumer. Yeah. But if you're a guy that just got out of prison that signed up for two-factor authentication right before, mm-hmm. you might be SOL. Yeah. It, it took me about one and a half weeks for me to get all of my accounts back. Yeah. Um, a lot, I try to start my cloud services again. Um, you know, my, uh, my bash and hosts, um, my reverse SSH tunnels, my redirectors, my, uh, VPN site to site VPNs. Mm-hmm. And I was flagged by the provider as fraud. Mm. And I was mad because I was asking you, well, how the hell is this fraud? Yeah. Um, it turns out that for some reason you cannot, because I don't have a debit card at the time. I used a temporary debit card that my bank gave me. Yeah. And they wouldn't accept that. Mm. So I was really mad. So uh, I found out that they also accept Bitcoin. So I just pay them in Bitcoin. Mm. You know? Yeah. But if I were to be paying Bitcoin, I would probably instead buy a bulletproof hosting service, which is uh, basically shady providers in the Netherlands, Ukraine, Russia. Um, and through these bulletproof hosting providers, I can host these shady services and run shady VPNs and run cyber attacks through these VPNs through a company that will not respond to FBI subpoenas. You know, that, that's probably what I would have done. Okay, well, let's, let's well, rewind. Uh, uh, would, would you rank uh, two-factor authentication or password manager more important if you had to rank it? Right. Which one would you rank higher of those two? Um. To be honest with you, I really recommend a password manager, a trusted password manager. There's a lot of bogus ones out there, but so I suggest that you use a password manager because they were now asking you to make extremely long passwords, you know, both upper and lower case, alphanumeric, you know, with a one special character, yeah, you know, maybe even a pipe symbol left and right or something like that. Um, another thing I would suggest is... Um, I'm not sure uh, if I could demonstrate it, but uh, there, are, there are Linux pipes. So do you have uh, the left bracket um, that goes this way? Uh-huh. You have the right one? Yeah. Right. If you okay. add that to your password, including the pipe key, which is like the straight line like here. Yeah. Um, if you look at your keyboard and then you add that to your password, it would actually do wild shit to a hacker trying to break your password's account on a password cracker. Huh. It would probably do things like redirect standard in to standard out, redirect everything to standard error, dump standard error back into standard in. It would break everything if they're trying to crack your password. So, so on your on your keyboard is a a button somewhere that's a straight line up and down. Right, I think it's above the enter key on most. Exactly, common, on shift most that key. Yeah, so yeah, that key or the uh, greater than or less than. Right, right. The, the greater right. than or less than. Just, if you add that to your password, it would cause unholy hell on a lot of password cracking applications. Weird. Yeah. But then would that hacker get mad at you and come after you harder? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then now he has to write his own tool, you know, to come after you. Probably not worth it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so lazy hackers get out. <laughs> I'll put a, on on the YouTube video. I'll, I'll make the video show the the keys, the the greater than, less than, and the pipe sign above. So it. so why okay. do those characters fuck up uh, these okay. password crackers? So l- l- let's talk about the the pipe sign and the one that goes directly down. The one yeah. that's on the key that's directly above your your enter and below your backspace key. Yeah. If you press shift, that key that prevents a pipe. Yeah. Uh, that pipe symbol takes the uh, the command, the standard output on the console of your first command and then use it, use it in the second command after that symbol. So it's like using the same, oh, same password that they attempted in the first command mm-hmm. and then they used it in the second portion of, the, of their mm-hmm. next command. It almost like okay. breaks up the, their first and second command where it's going to run. Yeah, right. so, so most of the keys we punch are just a character, but that pipe or the greater or less than are actually commands that cause something else to happen. Right, it can throw them into characters. a loop or something like that. Okay. So the less than symbol, which is, you know, draw the left hand symbol. Yeah. Um, the less than symbol reads from a file into a program in Linux. Yeah. A lot of hackers use Linux. So basically, if you were to use the pipe symbol and then a read symbol, yeah. the, the less than symbol, now you're reading something from the end of the pipe and then putting that into, you know, so yeah. Okay. And then the greater symbol basically outputs the results of a command into a file. Yeah. So by doing all these things as once, making your password a combination of these greater than, less than, or pipe symbol characters, you can really mess up the attacker's computer if they did not have a properly, yeah. you know, configured hacking tool. And there's no downside to me, right? No, obviously not. Okay. What's your thoughts on the uh, hardware keys, like a UB key, solo keys? Um, have, have you have you used those? Uh, I, I think Google has one called the Titan key. Are these um, some sort of two-factor authentication? Uh, like a, they're like some sort of physical. Yeah, phys- yeah, physical key. I think uh, Fido, F-I-D-O, I, I, uh, authentication. I'm not, I don't know enough about it, but I do use one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think my guess is there's probably a prime. I think a primary key inside and then your computer would need to send something and it verifies that it you, you, this kind of reminds me of something when i was playing world of warcraft uh-huh. and it was called um wow authenticator i think it's very similar to that you you, you play wow you ever heard of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was like battle.net authenticator or wow authenticator now i just got out of prison so i haven't really seen these things come out in popularity but you, what you're talking about really sounds just like it. Mm. The thing is, if you lose access to that device, mm. you're, you're fucked. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? That's why you're, you're, you, should have a, you should have a backup, too. If you buy one, you should... Well, if you buy one, you should buy two, actually. Have one as a backup. Put it somewhere safe. So if you lose your primary one, you can log in with your secondary and report the primary as lost. But when I got out of federal prison, I specifically told my family, hide all my computers, hide all my shit, put yeah. away my USB drives, put away my debit cards, and guess what? Now I'm trying to recover my accounts with no access to my old phone number. I often, well, the only time I actually called customer service was Amazon. Yeah. Somehow they were the ones that were a real bitch to, you know, real, a real bitch to me to give me my account back. So that's good security, right? It is good security. Okay. But I had to go, you know, that Amazon's the only one that I had trouble getting my account back. <laughs> Everything else, like U.S. Bank, yeah. I used my old expired driver's license. I lost my driver's license in the casino when I got out of jail. Oh. Because I got released from federal prison into jail. And from jail, I was released on the street. 
and then I was trying to get a taxi, yeah. and I lost my uh, my turn ID in that casino. I, I got it back eventually, right. but I managed to gain access back to my U.S. bank account using an old expired ID. Wow. So that doesn't sound like good security. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is, is there by any, ch- any chance any other s- easy security things that you would suggest for a commoner? Um, let's see. Outside of making, you know, wild passwords, you know, that will really trip up a password cracker. Um, don't be an idiot. Do not allow an evil maid attack to happen, which is evil maid cleans your room, finds her password written on some piece of paper. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an evil maid attack. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> don't do that. Um, I, I would, I, I want to condense that into like a, just one phrase, don't be an idiot, because a lot of these people do these idiotic things, you know? Yeah, um, but it's so hard to remember all these damn passwords. I got to write them <laughs> down, right? Well, we'll use a password manager. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to do that. I got to write a password to get into the password manager. You only need one password to unlock the password manager. <laughs> so you only have to remember one. Yeah. All right, let's, let's jump back to uh, some of your stories, some of the things <clears throat> uh, during that five years of learning hacking. Okay, so when I was hacking around 73 wireless hotspots across Las Vegas, Metro had a profile of me because I was using a police scanner app that connects to Broadcastify.com called Scanner Radio Pro. Mm. And Scanner Radio Pro connects to Broadcastify because there are these free radio enthusiasts that tapped into Metro's analog channels. Um, and basically, they were aware of me driving around, you know, running away. They said I was known as a runner. You know, they say that, you know, uh, I was known as a gray Nissan because I drove a gray Nissan when I was doing all this hacking on meth. Oh, so, so the police department was aware of you. Right. They were aware of me. They don't know who I am. They, they have their own anti-hackers? Is that... Right. Okay. Um, so what they did was I was trying to hack into a coffee shop that I had a, a little uh, gripe against the owner and do some ARP spoofing from the using the shown antennas. Mm. But uh, I was actually using a parabolic antenna. It's not um, the Yagi antenna that we have previously shown on camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yagi and uh, the parabolic antenna has even more range. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard to, you know, fundle with you know to fumble with inside yeah. a hatchback and um within that uh antenna uh i was trying to get a line and then i heard like the slight whooshing noise because you know my windows were slightly down in my gray nissan uh-huh. and then i realized holy shit there's a helicopter hovering up right above me uh-huh. and then right across from the park an entire platoon of cop cars are racing at me bro uh-huh. across uh-huh. the street except there's no direct road to it so oh. i was like fuck this shit i'm gonna start running so i start speeding south along um i can't say the word roads you know yeah. but uh the helicopter starts chasing me like crazy i have police scanner i have scanner radio pro which is connected to broadcastify which is connected to las vegas metro's you know police radio system yeah like the entire police department was after me because you know the scumbag coffee shop owner fucking calls out the cops on me even though I was over half a mile away, you know. Well, how did he know about you? Me and him got into an altercation. You know, well, let's just leave it at that. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. they, the okay. police weren't coming after you at, for, the, for hacking. the hacking. Right. They okay. were calling me because this guy was crying bitch, basically. 
Okay, so you guys had an argument, and then immediately you went to go mess with his Wi-Fi. You wanted to hack in, and right. Okay, that makes sense now. So, um, you know, I was uh, spending about like half an hour, um, in this parking lot with a clear view of the coffee shop, um, yeah. using a parabolic antenna, which was much more ungainly to use than the previously mentioned Yaki antenna that was shown on camera. Mm -hmm. um, Thirty minutes into it. I hear this soft whooshing sound, mm. and then I look up outside my car, and I saw a police helicopter hovering above me, mm. trying to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah. And then I started hearing police radio traffic on Scanner Radio Pro, which is connected to Broadcastify, which is connected to police departments. Um, you know, the police departments, you know, radio transmissions, like, oh, yeah, we got this guy. We got to go <laughs> get this hacker. So I started speeding. I yeah. got out of the fucking parking lot. I went southbound. I hit speeds of... 90 to 110 miles per hour running red lights at, oh. at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. You know, after going south and then west for about four miles, the helicopter immediately broke off. Hmm. See, if the helicopter kept, at, kept chasing me, I would have been caught. Right. But the helicopter immediately broke off because I found out that there was some sort of murder-suicide that happened. Well, so that was the bigger fish to pursue. Right. So then the helicopter yeah. broke off, and then the cops fucked off, and I was like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. You know? Damn. So if it wasn't for that other crime, you would have been busted right then and there. Well, the thing was that I think the reason why they <laughs> broke off was because outside of me acting suspiciously, they really didn't know what I was doing. There's no crime yet. Right. There was no crime yet. They just know I was acting suspiciously. They were yeah. knowing, they know that I'm doing dangerous things. Mm. They know that I was speeding. I was running red lights, nearly colliding to several cars, yeah. weaving through traffic, you know, onto oncoming traffic as well. Yeah. You know, and if they don't, if they keep this, you know, chase up, yeah. I'm going to die. They're going to get in trouble, you know. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So why keep chasing me? Yeah. So I looked out on that chase. Do you do you see yourself as a good guy or a bad guy or the things that you do? Is there? I I, I see myself as a person that um, has a lot of enemies. Yeah. You know, I I don't intentionally make enemies, mm. but you know, at least in this city that we're in, there is you know a lot of shit bags in this place. You know, I have seen. Snitches run away, get away with um I've seen people that don't work for a dime and they basically were a benefactor for a will and trust. Mm. So they got this um all this money from this person that they never even gave a shit for. They open a fucking pretentious coffee shop, they start drama with me, mm. you know, they drive around with their dead relatives money in a brand new Ferrari and I'm in this rut. Mm. You know, like um there are people that I feel that do not deserve what they have yeah. and they have no say in my business, but mm. they tried it. But all of a sudden they targeted me, not because I'm a hacker, but because I'm some guy that I feel is more vulnerable. Yeah. I think I'm a vulnerable person. I think a lot of people, when they look at me in the street, they think it's a guy to pick on, mm. you know? And that's why I, I feel more victimized by all the people that I have targeted. I see. So you, you feel like you've been burned a lot. Right. And and hacking is your way to attack back? Is that Right. Is that the way to Right. Okay. I'm, no, I'm just curious about your your view. I I understand, you yeah, know. Yeah, cuz most people would say, you know, a hacker, you're a bad guy, right? You're you're hacking into stuff you're not supposed to. I actually, you know, but yeah. uh, I I also um about good hacking. 
finding yeah. bugs and bug bounties. Um, I have an account on hackerone.com. Yeah. I have reported uh, exploits uh, to get money with to get rewarded. Do they call that a bounty? Yeah, a bug bounty. Okay, yeah. And I found bugs on porn sites like Pornhub, which yep. allows uh, the free download of porn, even though they were supposed to be charging $6 of, of clip of this porn. Um, there's a way to bypass it. Oh, so you helped uh, Pornhub to stop people from stealing the premium porn. Right. <laughs> Excellent. Right. I <laughs> That's had, definitely uh, the good guy. Right. The good guy side <laughs> of the equation. Um, I also found a... Uh, dot git directory at the UNLV website mm-hmm. and it's for a project called process J. So I tracked down the original author of process J on LinkedIn and I told her about the vulnerability mm-hmm. and I told her how someone that can download this W uh, uh, this dot git directory could plagiarize proprietary UNLV software code. Mm. So yeah. Um, let's see. What else? So you're happy to do good DI stuff too. Right. Okay. So, so I, in the hacking world, they call it black hat versus white hat, right? Is that? But I'm a gray hat. <laughs> I, I, I see myself as a gray hat. You hat both ways? Right. <laughs> gotcha. There was this uh, incident where I was wrongly accused and nearly arrested at a public library here in the city. Mm. And it was because of the ignorant IT guy accusing me of being the hacker. He didn't know it was me, mm-hmm. but uh, I was doing apt-get update on Linux. And if you use Kali Linux and you run apt-get update to get the newest repository update, mm-hmm. um, it makes requests to http.kali.org, which would set off certain intrusion detection systems like, oh no, there's malware running. But what yeah. we're really doing is you're upgrading your Linux distro. So the fucking local police department surrounded the motherfucking place and then they spent like two, three hours trying to catch the hacker. Ha, ha, ha. You know? Yeah. Um, That's strange because the <clears throat> libraries have <clears throat> like uh, public Wi-Fi, right? right so exactly. Then- I was using public Wi-Fi to update my Kali Linux distro. Huh. Actually, I was trying to connect to public Wi-Fi also to write a letter to my probation officer saying how I'm doing and you know, that I have to go do this and that. So this is after you got released from federal prison? Oh, this is before. This okay. is, I've been on probation several times. Okay. Yeah. So this is my third time on probation slash supervised release. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time, you know, I had to go report to a probation officer that was basically on my ass for everything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have time, you know, to like uh, use the home Wi-Fi because the Cox Internet was down, I guess. So I use a public library Wi-Fi and you know, the fucking library gets surrounded by fucking cops stopping everybody from leaving the damn library. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I was using a virtual machine called KVM. Mm-hmm. So I, a kernel based virtual machine. So I ran uh, Linux on my host. That's your main operating system. Mm-hmm. But then I ran Windows in a virtual machine. Yeah. So to hire myself, I just opened up the virtual machine. I put it to full screen. <laughs> <laughs> and the cops don't know better. And the cops don't know better, except for the 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 sexy female Metro computer hacking forensics investigator lady that actually got me uh, what you may call it, exonerated, uh, uh, appealed, released. 
Mm. Remember, I did not talk to the, uh, to the police SWAT team that were accosting people outside. I know what the fuck's going on. I can hear through the damn walls. I was like, you know what? Just look normal until they finally leave. It's been hours, but just sit around, look normal, wait for them to leave so I can update Cali Lennox and go write a letter to my probation officer because the probation officer expects a motherfucking report from me. You know? So you weren't doing anything wrong? I was not doing a single damn thing wrong. I'm just here because Cali Lennox was just updating itself using the app repo. But you were doing some advanced computer stuff that triggered the uh, no. response? Well, well, no, it was just Lin- a... On Linux, uh, when you do a Windows update, yeah, that apt, up, uh, apt get update is the same exact... In the Linux world, it's the same exact thing as a Windows update. So that's all he was doing. Okay. Yeah. So all I was doing was updating the repositories, my packages for Linux. Mm-hmm. And how Linux updates work is, at least for Debian distributions, you have um, the apt uh, package manager. Yeah. So when you update the apt package manager to install new tools or apps on Linux, yeah. it makes a request to a URL in your app sources list. Okay. And it was making these requests to Kali.org. The idiot public library IT guy says, oh, that guy's fucking hacking. You know, he yes. was connecting to Kali.org. So that's a, a site that a lot of hackers would go to? Well, well no, no, it'd be the equivalent of when your Windows update runs, it goes to probably windows.com, which has right. some IP address, yeah. or windows.com, whatever, something like that. So yeah. org right. is the same thing for Linux. So it's just, yeah, you're just pulling down an, a Windows update, a Linux update. It's the same thing. This exact is thing. not something a normal person would be doing. Uh, it probably it would. A, nor- a, nor- a normal Linux user, definitely. But I guess at a library, not too many people would. Ha- I- I'm not sure how many people would have a Linux. Oh. Not if you're using a library computer, right? No, well, a compu- um, libraries have public Wi-Fi, so you could have your Android phone, you could have your laptop that runs Windows. For whatever reason, I guess yeah. that IT person, I don't know why they would flag the Lin- exactly. Linux. Exactly, because it was, all it's saying is I'm using Kali Linux on a public Wi-Fi. Does that mean that I'm opening shells on people? Am I running IMAP scans? Am I running exploit code on someone? No, I have not done it yet. You know, it, would that be the first step to catching going, me going on to doing those no, other no, no. things? This, this is just a Linux update. That's right. It's just a Windows update, Linux yeah. Linux update. Right. Okay. It, it would be if you're trying to get at um, like this is try, uh, if someone were to say all Linux users are hackers. That's just it's a it's just it, there's no connection. Right. But so, the IT yeah. guy was that dumb. Yeah. You know, so like um, I guess like he fucking called the cops and then um, you know. The sexy female forensic investigator. I didn't look at her. I just had a bare glimpse of her. Uh, she's a skinny <laughs> blonde, you know, wore business suit, high heels, uh, you know, p- dress pants. You know, she put out her little laptop discreetly looking at the network. Um, she explained to the IT guy without, without calling him an idiot, unfortunately, yeah. that um, I had a problem with my wireless driver mm. and um, I had Ubuntu running on it with Windows and Kali Linux virtual machines running within it. Mm-hmm. And because of a Intel Wi-Fi driver problem, I had to constantly reconnect and get disconnected from the public Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. which is why it looks like malicious traffic. Because every time I reconnected to the fucking public Wi-Fi, it would, you know, make tr- attempt to restart app get update. So she was able to understand what you were doing and explain it to the library guy. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then she said to him that she wanted to talk to me, but she wanted to leave me alone because she knew 
that I was being investigated by the FBI. And that was my first tip uh-huh. that I knew the FBI was after me. So I already knew to wipe my shit ahead of time. Yeah. Um, I have talked about, um, within our agreement, um, I've talked about how I got my laptop back from the FBI. I made forensic images. A forensic image is basically a bit-by-bit copy of the hard drive. Mm -hmm. I was worried that the FBI has backdoored my own laptop. Mm. Um, So I made a forensic image to analyze for any malware. Yeah. Um, I have also found an encrypted section which should contain the 73 hacked router passwords that the FBI never found. Mm -hmm. If the FBI found that, I would have been looking at 73 counts of Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. But, you know, in reality, when when they try to prosecute you for 73 counts, they want to really look at each router that you attempted to access. So it's probably like going to be five to 10 counts. Yeah. So, but, so when you, when you're doing these activities and you're kind of having your brushes with the law, is there ever a point where you, you get scared or you say, you know, maybe I need to change what I'm doing or, or is that not when I was on meth, not when I was on (laughs) meth, I I was looking for more excitement. This is why, this is why as a viewer, you do not smoke meth. This is why as a viewer, you do not smoke meth. Are you you on the meth right now? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, you can see it from my teeth. Yeah. You know, so you, for the record, you don't recommend meth. Never recommend meth. (laughs) Meth is the evilest fucking drug ever. Okay. Meth is bad. Yeah. Gotcha. It will give you insane delusions of grandeur. Mm. I felt like a fucking God. Mm. I have hacked into the Wi-Fi of a gun store. And then I felt like an idiot because I realized I could have just hacked the printer connected to the Wi-Fi router in that gun store to get print me a free background check, which then would have Mm -hmm. made me been able to get me a gun. Mm-hmm. That yeah. would have been a great idea. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Okay. Uh, uh, I I just don't know. I mean, obviously, we're we're talking about some dicey subjects. Where? Well, let's actually talk about. Uh, so, your thoughts on law enforcement. Let's talk about the what your opinions of law enforcement, the good and the bad, and then let's let's break that down just for the heck of it, the things that you've been through with law enforcement. I have been in federal prison for two years. Mm-hmm. I have been incarcerated three times in various jails, prisons in this area, mm-hmm. as well as far as Chicago, Oklahoma City. Um, and I would say that Cops are not as good as you say. You, you have mentioned that um, you wanted to talk to a police officer that works in this area, but then she had cold feet. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I know some piece of shit former cops. Um, is it okay that I put his name out there because he's on the news? That's uh, probably better not to... Mm. Um, not to make any enemies, right? Well, you could say it now. Well, he's then, already an enemy. And then like, we'll cut it out. We'll, we'll figure out if it's good. Go ahead and say it, and then I'll cut it out if... We can just bleep it out, yeah. you know? Um, so his name is Joseph Lawrence. And this guy originally busted me for selling ecstasy at College of Southern Nevada. And he tried to act like the old... Because I was in the Marines, too. He was in the Marines, you know? Um, he tried to say, oh, it's your honor of the Marine Corps to admit your crimes, blah, blah, blah. People don't understand that the criminal justice system in the United States is adversarial. It's what the prosecution knows. It's what the defense knows. It's what the cops apply to the prosecution to put your ass away for a long time. 
When you're being questioned by the cops, you don't admit to shit. You do not incriminate yourself. Um, so, you know, after a while, I found out that he was also a drug dealer. He made local news. Um, he was, Joseph Lawrence got pulled over driving on the wrong side of the road in a Toyota Tundra pickup with several hundred pills, uh, open bottle whiskey, a loaded gun. He refused to get a breathalyzer test. I, I've shown you the, the link, you know. Mm. And this asshole then runs away from his fellow police comrades, brothers in arms, as you can say, in a high-speed chase going in the wrong area of traffic across West Centennial Parkway. He gets four years probation, but apparently other cops that were pulled over DUIs, drug dealing, you know, gun charges, got away. In the second article I've shown you. Yeah. You know, like when I see a cop, if I were to see this female cop on the street, I'm not going to be talking to her. If I knew she was a cop, I'd tell her to get the fuck away from me. I would be calling my lawyer first. Is there, do you think um, in your position as a hacker, is has it been the bad cases of cops because of the, situ- the, the, the profession or hobby that you're in? versus I'm just trying to maybe play devil's advocate or um, ask where you've seen good cops can go bad or there are there good cops in this situation and you just encounter the bad ones maybe. There are good cops. I had my laptop stolen when I was in jail for drug dealing in 2011 mm. by some piece of shit roommate and his fucking idiot friends. I reported it and they actually managed to get the laptop back because that specific laptop had uh, a security system. Back then I wasn't a hacker. Back mm-hmm. then I was just some guy who's all techie, you know, want to buy the new phone or the new MacBook or some shit like that. Yeah. You know, um, the, that specific cop recovered the laptop who was, which was then bought from a pawn shop and recovered the current owner of my laptop. Mm-hmm. He then asked me to pose with a smile with that laptop when he got it back for me, mm. you know, so he mm. did it for bragging yeah, yeah, rights. Yeah, yeah. That's the only good cop I ever knew in my life. Yeah. Every other cop I've ever met, you know, why they are meeting me. And that's because they think I did something. Obviously the relationship is adversarial. Yeah. Um, kind of jumping to a topic way earlier, actually just something I've been thinking about. I wanted to ask for a long time now, what are your thoughts on China and Russia in the hacking scheme so you're buying, you bought stuff. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier, you bought some uh, hacking scripts from Russia, I think you mentioned. Um, I did not buy hacking scripts from Russia. I bought bulletproof hosting services from the Ukraine. Mm, okay. Um, which, which now the oh. company has moved over to the Dominican Republic. Okay. So the, the other thing, the, um, um, the $20,000 non-traceable hack, was it? That one you just saw, but you haven't, I mean, you haven't dealt with that. Right, right. Oh, you mean the Russian hacking forums? I know where these forums are. That they, they, they call them FUD, fully undetectable payloads. I personally don't really want to fuck with these Russians. I really want to keep, keep like a 100-foot pole away from these people. You don't know if they have backdoored their own command and control program. You don't know because they may have written it as a binary. You will have to reverse engineer an IDA Pro to figure out if it's making any other secret connections to their own command and control servers. You have you have maybe willingly became a zombie in their botnet. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the hackers that are building these that they're um, 
are they creating it like are they creating zero day hacks also and or are they so smart and why why is it russia why is it why why don't we see that stuff here in america being produced in america we do it's called zerodium the zerodium oh. is a place that sells zero day exploits because when i find an exploit like the pornhub exploit or if i were to find like a, a binary exploit with a like an sl mail it's a well-documented um, vulnerability in the offensive security certified professional course. If I were to find a, uh, I'm currently taking the offensive security exploit developer course currently, but basically I have training to find vulnerabilities in binary compiled applications by reverse engineering them in IDA Pro, which is a tool to analyze binaries, or to use WinDebug, which is a Windows built in debugger. And if I can find these, I can have a choice. I can report it to the company for a thousand dollar reward. Mm -hmm. I can call Zerodium, and if I find an iPhone exploit, then I could sell it for half a million dollars. And then Zerodium will then go contact this Israeli company called NSO Group, and they will add it to their Pegasus Remote Access Trojan, which is uh you know the the, the malware that runs that calls back to you. And then NSO group will now sell it to oppressive governments around the world, like Mexico. Hmm. So Zerodium is not a very ethical company because they will sell Zerodium exploits to government entities that would harm their own people. Just for the audience that may not know, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Zerodium exploits are, are hacks that uh, hackers have uh, found and nobody even knows it's out yet. Right, nobody knows so, it's out yet, so we can sell them yeah. to bad people. Yep. Um, where do you think Russia, China, and America play into this whole, whole geopolitical, maybe <clears throat> technology thing? So, is there? Do you see more hacks coming out of Russia and China? Or I think I disagree with um, all of these things. The Microsoft Exchange hack, um, which was uh, basically a stolen proof of concept code, we have talked. We just talked about zero days. Zero days are presented as a proof of concept or PLC exploit, and um, Basically, a Chinese provider of Microsoft products as a vendor through their special Microsoft uh, vendor program. I forgot what it was called. But um, basically, Microsoft reported the vulnerability to this Chinese vendor. The Chinese vendor took the proof of concept and then sent it to Chinese Ministry of State Security hackers who then misused the proof of concept to immediately initiate shotgun blasts of all vulnerable Microsoft Exchange servers around the world. So they abused the supply chain of, um, the, of uh, vulnerability reporting by abusing Microsoft's trust. Mm. And that's what caused the Microsoft Exchange hack that happened a year ago. Mm. But um, um, what was the... Kind of like, do you think uh, the geopolitical thing is, is a, are we as a globe, is just security-wise, cybersecurity is just all fucked up? Or is China and Russia ahead somehow... Or is America... You know, like, um, I, I like to have a lot to say to that, is that, um, well, Russia has coding classes for kids in Python and C in third grade mm -hmm. in Russia. Mm, yeah. A lot of these people, a lot of kids nowadays in America, they don't even touch a integrated development environment. That's an IDE, like, a, you know, IntelliJ or Visual, Goland, Visual, Visual Studio. Studio, you know... They don't even touch an ID to write their own Python script or their C Hello World program until they're 
in college. So IED for the commoner is just it's just your a piece of software to write software. It's basically a text text editor. Yeah, like a scripting text editor. And no, third grader Americans can't be learning how to computer code. We're busy dancing on TikTok and watching <laughs> Pornhub and eating McDonald's meals. <laughs> Paying for Pornhub because I reported that vulnerability. <laughs> so now you have to pay for that Pornhub. So where do you see on the global stage? I don't know how how the cybersecurity world's going to be in five or 10, 15 years, America, China, and us as commoners. Where do you see that? Well, here's the thing. I think America was kicking everybody's ass until the last 10 years. Mm. I think America was back during Cisco routers and it was well known, well documented in the Vault 7 leaks. When uh, a suspected terrorist, um, the CIA was monitoring, was buying a laptop that was being shipped to him, the CIA intercepts the laptop, backdoors the laptop with a hardware keylogger, sends it to the suspected terrorist to monitor him. We were kicking ass in cybersecurity until recently. Yeah, it's yeah. only now that China and Russia are fucking us up big time. Yeah, I, I think when I first started conversations with you, I brought up Stocksnets because I, I think oh, that, Stocksnets, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Stocksnets. So back in, gosh, Stuxnet? what was it? Um, Stocksnets? Uh, I think it's S-T- Stuxnet. Stuxnet. S-T-U- S-T-U-X-N-E-T. Yeah. Um, I forget the year. That Was that two, early 2000? Right. Um, so the, 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 the conspiracy theory is that America wrote a hacking program to hack Iranian centrifuges at a nuclear power plant in or uh, mm-hmm. where they could be refining um, uranium plutonium plutonium they the hacker hackers in America suppose this is conspiracy theory and or the it's, the, it's hard to get the details on the real story yeah okay um, it's theorized that America knew that Iran was uh, doing this, so they wrote specific code to to hack specific centrifuges with serial numbers in Iran. So mm-hmm. it made the centrifuges spin really fast, and then just basically blow up. Mm. So this was back in early two thousands. Right. Think. So anyway, so yeah, I think uh, what you're saying that I think from kind of my little bit of knowledge on cybersecurity, and I say it's little because I, I don't think I'm deep into it enough at all. Um, it seems that the things that I've seen, America is falling behind too. I, I, it right. feels like it is. Well, if they're ahead, they're not going to tell you. Well, yeah, yeah, that might. But I, I would think uh, uh, Slayer Ranger has a, a better pulse on it than we, than yes. we do. Um, I see a very uh, fucked up trend that's been going on for the last five years. A lot of people saying that cybersecurity is the hot new vocation you know, the hot, highest paying, the most demanded job. And it is. Yeah. But now you have a bunch of scam artists, you know, charlatans yeah. trying to rip off casinos. I have known one managed security service provider that sucks so bad at their job that they couldn't get any of these casinos in our area to even, you know, write a good review or endorsement for them. So they had to go get an endorsement from Oregon, from some Oregon casino, because they really don't do shit. Mm. And, um, you know, I was pissed off because I interviewed for these guys and then they disqualified me for my criminal record, mm-hmm. but they made it sound like I was going to totally get the job until the last minute. And then mm-hmm. what I realized is they were there just to steal my ideas. They were there to tell them, to have me tell them what to use because they don't know shit about offensive security. I told them to use burp suite web application attacks. I told them to use Nessus, get a professional subscription of Nessus 
to quickly evaluate uh, an internal network. Um, I have told them to use things like Cobalt Strike for actual offensive security if you're authorized to compromise targets. Uh, and they took these ideas and then they yanked away my job opportunity. So in your, in your current position, would it, be, would it be your best move to become a white hat and, and work for the good guys? Is that? I can't work for any guys because according to my probation officer under supervised release, yeah. um, I'm really not allowed to involve myself in anything cyber, but I am. Well, don't I, say that. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we're, don't tell we're, everybody. <laughs> we're distorting his voice, anyways. It's okay. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. Um, but then that's only for another two or three years, and then you're yeah. free. Then I'm free. Then I can go. I have already have an indoor in to that specific red teaming company that I'm from Minnesota and talking about. I already have a door open for me for offensive security. Mm. I have people that are willing to pay for my training. That are willing to keep me updated. I have known people that also work in defense of the blue team. So I'm, I'm interested in red teaming. Red mm. teaming is really hard to do. Red teaming, um, a lot of people claim they can red team, but they just suck. They just mm. run in map and they run a couple of scripts and say, your ports are open. Okay, here's my money. Give me your money. Mm -hmm. They don't really run an exploit or root or show a proof of concept that the vulnerability is real. It could yeah. be a false positive for all we, all we know. Yeah. A they're, red, they're a red, not hacking into all the coffee cups. <laughs> um, a, a red team operator, um, this specific Minnesota company um, would try to break in if they can't hack the Wi-Fi or their front end of their web page or their uh, online infrastructure. They would physically try to break in and they plant the, if you were to show them again, the Raspberry Pi, the Raspberry Pi wireless implant right here. And then um, basically that will connect to their internal network and then you can run scans remotely from there. So um, you can open the top if you want. It has like a, be careful, there's a, a connector to a fan and it connects to the Raspberry Pi. I don't know, you're not using this to hack into my network right now. Uh, it's not plugged in, you have to power it up from the USB-C port. I don't know, you got a solar panel over there? You got... So it has a cooling fan. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So what we're looking at is a, a little plastic box with a giant antenna on it. Well, it's like a foot long antenna. Yeah. And then inside you can see the motherboard and microchip kind of stuff. And it has a tiny fan attached to it like you would see like on your on your CPU computer, the, the maybe like a four inch fan that you would have. This one's got like a, a little one inch fan. Yeah. And this uh, device costs $35. So you can, looks like you can plug USB and Cat 5s into it if you. Yep. You can plug in a Cat 5. You can plug in Ethernet cable. So um, this Minnesota Reddit team company, when they break into um, the server room, they would start putting these implants wirelessly or over an Ethernet cable. Mm -hmm. And then they don't have to break into it ever again. They can just you know remotely hack into it because it connects back to a VPS, a virtual private server. Mm -hmm. um, I customized my wireless implant to run on OpenVPN access server. Mm -hmm. So I have a site-to-site -site VPN. So I have two backup plans. I have SSH tunnel that I log in through um, a online public IP address. Yeah. And then I also have a open VPN tunnel, which is a site to site VPN, the site being the victim's Wi-Fi hotspot. So I have two ways in yeah. and all I have to do is just bring and power up that Raspberry Pi and drop it off at the area. 
our uh, our car our new cars all computerized now oh yeah, yeah i forgot um did you yeah, show yeah. them the password um from the audi mmi password from the password list i shown you yeah did you show us all our passwords uh well I'll, i could <laughs> oh, yeah. put it on the screen um in post-production um <laughs> no don't give away all the audio passwords <laughs> anyway, so, so what do you want so to so basically um in my meth powered hacking spree right, <laughs> driving around with a parabolic antenna uh you know de-authenticating catherine handshakes i cracked the password to a audi's mmi touchscreen radio you know head radio system you know for their radio entertainment system their head unit basically yeah um i'm not sure how deep would have gone if i i have to look for that specific car obviously right. it's an eight digit key you yeah. know so i have to go back to find that car whoever wherever that car is yeah you know then i have to see if i can actually hack his car if i can turn on his horn change his radio stations make uh, the steering wheel go left and right slam his brakes that kind no, of stuff probably you could play heavy metal though yeah, I could probably do that. It depends how Audi engineered it, though. Yes. But I recommend to the viewers of this podcast, Alyssa Knight's uh, uh, Hacking Connected Cars. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just my question was more directed at that's going to be a part of our computerized future, too, right? All these cell phones we're carrying around, all the cars we're driving. Oh, um, yeah. Everything is getting more and more networked and computerized, right? Um, actually, car manufacturers are trying to test this new technology um, I forgot, I think it's called CV2K, but it basically allows one car, um, it, it operates over 5G, our new 5G cellular networks, mm -hmm. and our new cars can communicate to each other over 5G yeah. to pass along information. Mm -hmm. So imagine being hunted down by cops, and each cop can talk to each other over 5G, and yeah. each one functions as like a 5G cell phone, so it can basically coordinate its own automated dragnet to catch your ass. Yeah. I mean, so, that's good if we want to catch criminals, right? Right. Okay. But so, you know, there's, you know, like um, a lot of um, things, um, it could be for the good or for the bad, you yeah. know? Like uh, this would be a good thing for having cars to communicate to each other using 5G. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say that a lot of privacy problems yeah. come in place. Um, you're you're going to be losing a lot more of your privacy. You're not going to be getting any more privacy. Yeah, you I don't know. want everybody to know I'm listening to Nelly Furtado and just crying my way to work. Well, you don't want to, you know, I, Apple, you know, <laughs> to be looking at your your baby pictures that you were taking in the in the bathtub because you were just giving your baby a bath, and then I, you heard about it, Apple, you know, flagging child porn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you want to get arrested because you were giving your baby a bath? Yeah. You know, like um, it's that kind of shit. We're yeah. losing more of our privacy. We're losing more of our rights every day. And yeah. it doesn't matter what country you're going into. Every other country besides the United States will be a lot more oppressive than, than the United States. Mm, yeah. Um, we do like our freedom. Right. And then, um, a lot of things is um, during the January 6th riot, a lot of the rioters were caught up using license plate readers. Is that the uh, Capitol Hill? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. So when they had the January 6th riot where uh, Ashley Babbitt died, um, and uh, one police officer was killed. The Capitol police officer was killed. So, so when all these people stormed the Capitol right. and broke in, and okay, um, they uh, they tracked hundreds of these guys down to file federal indictments using um, basically a license plate readers on the freeways, right? You know, to correlate who who were staying in what hotels and stuff, so they could file indictments later. Mm -hmm. You know, um, 
uh, right now, facial recognition technology is a very big concern. Mm-hmm. Um, you, may, you may have read reports about how facial recognition technology is uh, racially biased towards whites and Asians right. because it's normally whites and Asians that programmed these facial recognition <laughs> technology. Um, so basically, as a black person going down a shopping center with a, in, with a camera with facial te- recognition technology yeah. um, installed, this black person could be mistaken for a person that may have done like a, a drive-by shooting, mm. and he goes to jail. Is, is part of that because brighter or lighter colors are easier to distinguish than like dark dark skin? Darker is the absence of light, right? That's right. less light reflecting. Is because that's physically different data that's coming into whatever reader or camera or scanner. From right? what I understand, it's not about the, the amount of light or the contrast. Yeah. It's about the, the sample faces. There's yeah. more white and Asian sample faces used in facial recognition technology. Uh. So that means facial recognition technology can identify my face better on facial recognition cameras. So that, that, that sucks. Cause that, <laughs> that means that when I'm up to no good, yeah. I, it's really me. Should, you should have been black, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I've, well, that could be good or bad. I've only watched it. <laughs> or as in being recognized easy or, or not easy. That That's what I meant by that could be good or bad. Yes. Uh, I've only watched like a five minute documentary on, on that where they're saying the sample size is exactly it. That because there's more Asian white programmers, mm. they're pu- inputting into the AI, I guess. They're inputting faces of white and Asian more. And I actually heard uh, white people more. So it's not that the, the, the short documentary is trying to, say, trying to say it's not that black, it isn't bouncing light for the face and whatnot. It's just uh-huh. that the sample size has less black people. So therefore, the, the input data was not insufficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, so China currently has some very, very oppressive facial recognition technology that they used to extensively employed around their country, right? Like exactly all across Beijing, all across, um, uh, Urumqi, which is the capital of the Xinjiang province, the Muslim state. I heard one story where, um, they just set up facial recognition cameras at, uh, like a concert where people were going to watch music. And then it was like, you know, 10,000 people went to this concert, but the software goes, Oh, that guy's, uh, he's got a warrant out and they were able to grab people. Uh, from this concert that they they figured were criminals, right? Right. So if if you're out to get criminals, that's a good thing. But it's it could also you, be if used. You feel like it's an oppressive government, then right? Then was he really a criminal? You know, that's a different question. But right, it's it's strange that you have the the broadest, most advanced implementation of uh, facial recognition in China currently, because they all look Chinese to me. Ah, just set up <laughs> for a terrible joke. <laughs> Um, would you mind talking about your time in prison? Uh, yeah. Experience and whatnot? Um, well, here, I want to talk about misconceptions in the feds. Okay, everybody thinks, everybody in the state thinks that everybody in the feds is some sort of criminal mastermind. No, they're just bigger and dumber people that got caught up for a much bigger quantity of meth. What? Mainly, <laughs> you know, the 99% of them did their stupid shit on meth uh. or some sort of drug like heroin. Um, I would say that, you know, 99% of them now that are in pretrial, that is, they're still in some sort of federal facility, but they're on going to be sentenced or in some stage of the uh, criminal prosecutor process. 
um, they are here for gun or drug charges. So a lot of people in federal prison or on their way to prison for federal crimes is gun and drug related? Is that right. what you're saying? Okay. Um, I've seen an uptick of gun uh, charges because uh, I guess since um, all these crazy active shooter scenarios, they've been trying to snag anybody with gun mm. charges. You okay. know, um, I have seen some pretty sad stories. Yeah. Well, so, so say you're a gun enthusiast, right? I like machine guns. I want to have a lot of guns. Where, what's the line? What's going to get you in trouble in federal prison? If you cross the state line, uh, I met a guy, um, that was from Texas. Yeah. Uh, he made it over to this state in private federal prison. Um, what happened was he crossed the state line. I guess he just got, got some sort of unregistered firearm, like or pistol extended clip on his pistol. Uh-huh. He went to federal prison for that. Okay, so he, well, so the federal law then says whatever your state laws for guns are, you can't be going to another state? Is that the... I'm not exactly sure. I just yeah. know that he was basically in there for a bullshit charge. Hmm. Um, the I have met another guy, um, a person that was formerly in the United States Marines, yeah. and he made a arms manufacturing company, and the ATF had some sort of bone to pick with him or something. Mm-hmm. So when they raided his, um, remember he makes guns for the military. Yeah, he's a contractor for the military. Yeah. Um, but then the ATF wanted to paint him as a picture, as a big time, you know, uh, Victor Bout, you know, the Lord of War by Nicolas Cage, gun runner kind of kind of guy. Okay. Um, they were trying to say that he was supplying guns to Russia and the Middle East and Africa. Yeah. And all they could really hit him for is one single count of following a false document because the ATF were being a bunch of shit bags. Mm-hmm. And the only crime that they can actually pop him for was that he mislabeled some sort of um, uh, document and then they just hmm. charge and convict him of following a false document. Weird. His lawyer did not defend him at all. Um, he, had, he got two years, but he already did two years in uh, the private federal prison. Yeah. But the problem is that because his lawyer is such a piece of shit, um, his lawyer did not ask for credit time served for the time he already did in detention. Hmm. So now he has to start his two years again. So now he's doing uh, four years. I mean, so was he doing any sketchy shit or he was otherwise, he was just he was running doing, his gun company? and Yeah, he was just running his gun company. Oh. He did nothing wrong. Weird. The ATF thought that his gun company was some sort of front for some sort of gun running operation, but they couldn't find any evidence on him. Huh. They just like um they, they they got him in there for 18, 24 months for paperwork. That's it. Yeah, that's weird. Not even like you know illegally giving away like a, a you know fake background checks to criminals kind of stuff. Just yeah. a filing, like some sort of business filing, from what I understand. Hmm. You know. And so you heard that story from him? Yeah. Like you you met him in prison, or what was the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's fascinating. I mean, there, there's a lot of people in prison that shouldn't be in prison or they shouldn't be committing crimes. Wait a minute. Doesn't everybody in prison say, hey, I'm innocent? I didn't do it, man. Um, that kind of thing is happens if you are pretrial. Once you're convicted and the court has found you guilty, yeah. you better admit to your faults, man. You, you can't just say you're innocent anymore. I admit to what I did. I, I just admitted it on this podcast. Yeah. You know, like, um. A lot of people, like, um, they don't owe up to their crimes, unfortunately. Mm. They think, um, you know, it was, like, a demand out to get them or some shit like that. Yeah. 
Um, I have met a guy in Chicago that was, he, I guess the ATF fucked his mind up or something because he pulled out a uh, AR-15 yeah. out in broad daylight in a shopping center and started pointing out a woman that he thought was a fed. Mm. Yeah. I met my fair share of crazies. I've met fair share of gun runners, drug dealers, fraudsters, bad fraudsters. Mm -hmm. um, there's this guy I know in private prison over in this area. And um, I don't want to say his name um, or his even his handle, but uh, he told me that he thinks he can make new social security numbers to reset his credit. Mm. And his stupid scheme is, is that he's going to register a new LLC under his own name. Uh. So like, like a DBA doing business as name. Okay. And then he's going to, you know, run a credit and then sign up for credit cards under this LLC, which is actually based on someone's name. And I was mad at him because he was trying to get me on a stupid ass scheme. Yeah. You know, like I, I told him, I don't want to, I don't want to have any way anything to fuck around with you. I have gotten contact information from one of the cool, some of the cool people here in the federal prison here. But as far as this guy goes, stay the fuck away from me. You, you, you're going to drag all of us down. You <laughs> know, sounds like a good way to get in trouble again. Yeah. Yeah. So you spent three years in federal two, prison, two years, two years. And then you spent some time in uh, a county jail. Uh, just one day in county jail. Oh, just one. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about your, your, your time in the federal prison. Um, but that, that's basically my time in the federal prison. Um, I would say, um, well, dealing with like maybe the guards where the guards pretty harsh on you is, is it as bad as uh, like the movies? I seen yeah. your old video about, um, talking about our prison guards. Um, I've been through two prison riots. Mm. Um, there's a guy, um, he's a real piece of shit. Uh, his name is George Enrique Abramovs and this inmate was caught up for stealing from the paycheck protection program mm -hmm. and what he did he tried to snitch on our entire unit he tried to say that we were manufacturing alcohol we were having shanks we were having tattoo guns mm. you know and then when he got beaten up for it we had an immediate shakedown mm -hmm. like uh from the entire staff because you know a shakedown to, to bust up our bunks and find our tattoo guns and booze and uh drugs and all this stuff you know right I mean, of course there's drugs in federal prison. I, I, I just explained how it was smuggled in, you know. Wait, how like, do you smuggle in drugs to federal prison? Well, we just explained it, like, earlier in the, in the episode. Remember, I just gave you one. I can't tell about all the techniques because oh. it, it's happening right now. Oh, inside, you know, your, inside your legal documents. Got right. It. Okay. So lawyers are sending in the drugs. Not really. <laughs> oh. Obviously not really. I mean, I, mean, I think. Okay. think, you know. Like, like, what does legal mail look like? Yeah. You know. So um, basically, um, this well, let me let me kind of just answer that. There's I did a podcast with some, with someone, and I don't want to give away too much information. But why are you always it, hanging out with prison people? Then <laughs> it's similar to what you do see in the movies. There's the prison. The prisoner may know yeah. may be friends with the guard, and the guard is okay with getting some uh, some um, kickback. Yeah, that guard will. Uh, there might be different uh, areas of security, level three, level four, and that guard is willing to pass uh, 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 someone selling a cell phone that they shouldn't sell a cell phone. He's willing to get kick, kick back on that. Or there might be um, whether two prison guards that are different areas uh, working laundry 
and they're able to pass notes to each other. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to incriminate uh, previous podcast guests. So that's I'm trying to keep it very well, generic. I mean, half of them were guards, right? <laughs> um, is that you're absolutely correct. Uh, there was actually a guard at my private prison that was busted for taking bribes. Yeah. For smuggling in meth. Um, I don't want to say his name, but his um, name. it's okay. Right. Um, but um, he got a brand new hundred thousand dollar Mercedes that an inmate bought him. Mm. He got all kinds of fancy shit, a new house, you know, just for smuggling dope into prison. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you about how much it costs for meth in prison. I, of course I was doing dope in prison, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you do all day? Uh, um, <laughs> uh, so, um, it, $10 of dope, which is like a little teener, uh, the $10 of dope is going to buy you like maybe like a quarter of a gram nowadays. I think $10 on the street that runs for $300 Ooh. in prison. Damn. So, Drugs cost a lot more money in prison. Yeah, that's the incentive for smuggling in drugs in prison. Okay, but where, so if you're in prison, where do you get 300 bucks from? Well, you get it through your commissary account or you ask family to do a cash app. Hmm. You, you heard about cash app, right? Square, cash app, you know, I think Cardi B and Snoop Dogg were talking about it. Yeah. You know, so we use a cash app, you know, to uh, send money to each other. And then we just ask our family members to send money back to us. Yeah, so I mean, does your family want to send you three hundred bucks to buy meth with? Is that? Of course, we didn't tell them, you know, it's for meth, you know, but oh. we always pay them back. Okay, so you're borrowing money, right, to cut it and stuff like that, okay. you know. Of course, I wasn't doing the dope operation; I was doing the alcohol operation. Oh, so it was alcohol. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I well, okay, I did all kinds of the drugs in there. I did meth, spice, alcohol, and suboxone. Okay. You get all those uh, at a huge premium in federal prison. Oh, well, so if you're making it, then you're making this money, right? Right. Okay. Um, is, is spice the, uh, is that the laced uh, marijuana? Exactly. And that's heavily, heavily addictive, almost like fentanyl. I have seen like people get wild in federal prison. They had huge episodes flipping out against guards, vomiting, falling off of bunks, mm. you know, yeah. being restrained by multiple guards, you know, like, um, we, we have a thing called a wire because what we use is uh, we used to, we have these radios that we use to listen to TV yeah. in federal prison. And then we got these headphones we could buy in commissary. So you just strip down the headphones and then strip out the wires and they connect that to the battery. And then you, uh, the spice comes in these papers and it looks like a little tiny little paper square the size of a pen dot, about the size of a little pen dot. And that little square of paper will get you high for about two hours. Damn. Yeah. It's very efficient. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't want to talk more details about how it's gone in, but it, it looks like paper. Yeah. Do you, mind, do you mind me asking uh, that your time in federal prison, was it just mentally tough on you? I, I mean, that sounds like a stupid question asking someone, was their time tough in prison? But when you see movies... Did prison suck? <laughs> when you see movies and TV shows depicting prison what's your thoughts on that you're not gonna believe this shit but uh in the private federal prison that i've been at here we have playstation 4s oh okay <laughs> we only have three playstation 4s there's all there's up to 96 people in the unit mm -hmm. so we have to take turns playing playstation 4 you know but we got games like madden nfl injustice um one guy in one unit managed to get gta 5 in 
We obviously can't play. <laughs> we, so <laughs> they don't want you playing this criminal simulator game. So so no, there's like there's a guy that actually got GTA Five in somehow. Yeah. I mean, you know, through the previous obvious channels, you know, legal mail, bribing the guards. I I don't know because according to the stupid uh, prisoner inmate manual, you're not supposed to play GTA Five because it involves killing cops. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, this guy managed to that. get it in. You know, um, so would you say you're sorry if I, if I cut you off? Um, well, I was going to say you can't play multiplayer on these um, PlayStation 4s. They obviously lock down the Internet and the networks. Um, yeah. Would you say you're so you feel your time in prison was pretty good or easy compared to what maybe how bad it could get? Would that be I right? think my time was pretty damn easy compared to, you know, like uh, the prisons you see in movies like Blood In, Blood Out, you know, where people are fighting for their lives, collecting money, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, collecting juice money from someone they're extorting or some shit like that. I've never been extorted. People have tried to extort me, but like, you know, because of, you know, we, we organize on, on race mm -hmm. in this part of the country. So I got people backing me up. That talks, that also brings into my second prison riot because um, our race, we're supposed to back up this other guy that just showed up in the unit that was accused of stealing. We had 24 hours to roll him up, which means beat him up and get him out of the unit. Mm. We chose not to. We said that this story sounds shady, that we should probably back him up and defend him against from the Southsiders. Mm. So the Southsiders put out a hit on this guy. We protected him, and then we went into a huge race riot. It was nine of us oh, versus wow. 30 Southsiders and Pisces to protect one guy accused of stealing. Mm. We all went to the hole. But, you know, like uh, the rumor about in the prison is that us nine people, we we did a, like a 300, like, you know, like the movie 300. Yeah. We did a fucking <laughs> curb stomp battle on their asses. The last, last stand, huh? Yeah. yeah. Like um, I took 10 hits in the head from a broom handle because they were trying to, because back then I was 240 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know, right now I weigh 199, but back then I was 240 pounds, so I was real, real fat, mm -hmm. you know, from commissary. So, you know, they're trying to, like, you know, break the line, and me and another guy that was also huge, you know, were, were, were basically backed into this corner, you know, protecting this specific guy that was accused of stealing. Mm. They tried to break our lines, and they, one of them tried to smash me in the head with a broom handle. It took about five to ten hits before it finally went down, oh, you know, yeah. and then that's when all hell broke loose. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what would, you said you spent time in the hole? Oh, yeah, I spent uh, 25 days in the hole. Holy shit, 25. Oh, that's not that bad. Some people spend a year in a hole. <laughs> it's not that bad. Fuck, so, like, man. Solitary confinement for the, uh, for the uninitiated here? Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. Can, uh, is it by any chance different in, the, in a private prison at all? Like, meaning, is there, um, do you, I don't know, if you look at. Is that where the PlayStation's at? <laughs> <laughs> there is no PlayStation. Like, um, like on, on movies, you'll see that the hole is like dark for it is dark. 23 hours of the day. So it, it's like in the movie. I, I can only shower on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I can use a phone, but I have to sign up for this stupid phone list, and the guards are complete idiots. So by the time they make it down the tier on the stairs, they forget about my name. So every fucking time I get breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I demand, hey, where's my phone? Yeah. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? So I can call my family, call my lawyer, tell them what the hell happened. Mm -hmm. You know? You lose your phone privileges for, um, you know, violent activity like the riot I've been in, which yeah. we had to defend that one guy that was accused of stealing. Yeah. So for 20, 
I actually they took away my phone privilege about three days into my twenty five days stay in the hole. Yeah. So um, I can only call my lawyer in Chicago, and then from Chicago, my lawyer has to call my family locally here to tell uh, what happened. Yeah. Um, it, it, this is a stupid question, but I feel like I have to ask it. Uh, when people say uh, <laughs> "drop the soap," what in in prison? You didn't have to ask that. Okay, is that so um, stupid, like people—it's a joke that people play. It's not like you drop the soap, pick it up, someone, some big burly Tyrone motherfucker is in a rhino butt fucking the ass. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore because if that happened in the in the prison in the Southwest, either state or private or federal prison, a riot would jump off. Mm, okay, you know we, we we have rules too. Yep, like uh, just like how we had to defend that in, individual for allegedly stealing. He didn't steal shit. He took batteries without asking for it to smoke spice. Okay. And then they called him a thief. He put the batteries back. Mm. You know, they let him borrow the fucking batteries before. Mm. But, you know, all of a sudden, this guy that was accused of stealing didn't want to share spice anymore because people were taking advantage of him. Mm. So now they call him a thief and they jumped him and he made it to our unit and now we had to defend him. I stand by this guy's words. He did not steal, all right? If someone were to fucking call him a thief, another riot's going to jump off right now if we were still in federal prison, you know? Yeah. yeah. Honor so am amongst thieves. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it is a violent place, and then do you have to, I mean, you basically have to join a race gang to survive? Is that the reality of it? Um, the thing is that, like, uh, it's not that bad. I mean, they, they, they organize you by white, black, you know, Uzo, United Samoan Organization, um, Paisa. Uh, Paisa is cartel Mexicans, so Mexican Mexicans are Paisa. Uh, Southsiders, you know. Um, generally, like, uh, unless you're in a real federal facility, because for me, I was in a detention center. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in, like, a, a, let's see, United States Penitentiary, Beaumont, bloody Beaumont, you know, mm -hmm. where it gets really political. Mm. One drug debt and a huge riot jumps off air and whips out shanks from underneath the, the sinks and other higher places and they just jab each other with an aided shank, mm. you know? Um, but like um, me, I was in a, in a like a, I, I don't really want to be too specific yeah, about, yeah, no, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it's like the holding center prior to federal prison. Uh, By the time I got sentenced, I finally, you know, did my time. I didn't even get sentenced to a real... Bureau of Prisons facility. Uh, yeah. okay. The okay. only real Bureau of Prisons facility I've been to was another detention facility called Chicago MCC. Mm -hmm. You know, um, over there, there was a sad story about a guy that killed himself. He's from a gang called the Latin Folks. Because mm -hmm. uh, over in uh, Chicago, it's not Bloods and Crips and Uzo and, uh, you know, Southsiders. In, in Chicago, you got the Vice Lords, uh, the Gangster Disciples, the Latin folks, Latin kings, uh, the Simon City Royals. Mm. So um, a Latin folk killed himself. And um, I guess like someone, um, you know, they guess the guards tried to cover it up by shutting down the phones. Mm. So one of the other Latin folks, shot callers, he put out a threat to the correctional officers in that facility. And we got locked down for 72 hours. Mm -hmm. No shower, no phone, no nothing because we were trying to figure out if the gang was planning to murder a guard, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, it's, um, why, so, why would a guard want to cover up that some dude killed himself? 
well, there's a lot to the story from what I understand, but the real story is that he supposedly killed himself because of a girl. I mean, I, I don't know, man. You're in federal fucking prison. You're looking at 20 to life for gun running. Yeah. You know, uh, a girl leaving you is probably the least of your worries. Maybe, maybe custody of your children, you know, but like as long as, you know, she's willing to stay as a good mom, yeah. Mm. You know, but like um, you're talking about your life on trial. Yeah. I think he's looking at something way worse that he didn't tell any of us. You know, he, it would happen at a different floor, too. So we can talk to each other in Chicago MCC through a specific cell through an air vent. Mm-hmm. So that's how we relay, you know, the, the, the information. Yeah. And that's how we also know when a riot goes down. Mm. Because um, there's about 88 people that can fit on each floor. Mm-hmm. There's 26 floors on Chicago MCC. 88 people can fit on each floor. Um, the 26th floor is the, uh, the ceiling, the quote-unquote yard. Yeah. Well, we have a volleyball court up there. And then we, the remaining 25 floors are cells. Mm-hmm. Um, some are offices. So let's say we got about 20 floors, mm-hmm. you know, and we can all talk to each other through this specific cell, through the vent, and you can coordinate a prison riot by overpowering the up to two guards that are managing 88 inmates on mm-hmm. each floor. At that point, the Bureau of Prisons guards, as well as maybe the marshals that, you know, help them out, yeah. have to take each floor one by one if a riot jumps off. Wow. You know. That's, uh, it sounds like a brutal, crazy, violent environment. It's right? way worse than the private prison that I went to, you know. Yeah. When I interviewed the prison guard, he <clears throat> mentioned that the rapists, and uh, I think uh, female abusers, uh, meaning men that would beat up women and whatnot, um, would often get uh, slashes on their face from other inmates to put them in a separate group. Did you happen to see that at all? We um, remember I was in detention, so the politics are more lighter there. We still got the prison rise. I just told you two prison rise I've been through, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it gets way more political in the feds. Gotcha. Just okay. like in the state. Um, from what I was told, Child molesters, wife beaters, and rapists, yep. and snitches yep. are dead bitches. Yeah. You know, um, from my hear, like, uh, as soon as we find out, um, because in the state, I was told that we checked the paperwork. Mm-hmm. As, soon as, you, as soon as you make it in prison, we're going to find out. You know, like, I was actually planning to bring my paperwork with you guys here, but the, I, there's a lot of mentions of my name, you know. <laughs> And the arresting officers and the, you know, special agents, you know, that arrested me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't sure. Um, but basically, if I were to go to the feds right now, I would have to call my lawyer once I reach my actual federal prison to ask the lawyer to send over a CD or USB drive of my paperwork, print it out, send it to the shot caller to say, hey, I'm good. Mm-hmm. This guy's solid, you know. You're not a child molester? Is that the idea? So exactly. So from that interview with um, with Ernest, the prison guard, he said some, say child molester, will come to a jail and he will he knows the politics where he may get slashed on his face. So he'll try to hide it. He'll just come in and say he's... Yeah, I don't want to get face slashed. So say he's a Mexican dude, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's going to be part of the Mexican crew. So the Mexican crew is going to start asking, hey, why are you in here, bro? Yeah. And then he'll he may say, oh, you know, I got caught a breaking it's breaking essay, it. not bro. <laughs> so he may say, I got B B B and E breaking and entering into some house, and that's why he's here. But then the Mexican crew or group will start 
asking a bit more. Oh yeah, where did you? What house did you break into? What street was it on? What yeah. did you actually do? What cop caught you? And as they start ads, asking, they may find the news, the reports, as they're questioning him. And then once they figure it out, then they may slash his face. So then he may just straight up roll him up. You know, like get him. Yeah, yeah. You know, crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy um, that caused that prison riot. The first prison riot, the one where um, George Enrique Abramos, he was the one that stole $2 million from the Paycheck Protection Program. That motherfucker was so hated that when he made it to protective custody, that's what happens when you become a snitch or child molester. Mm -hmm. Even the snitches and child molesters couldn't handle this guy. And then they beat the shit out of him. And then they took him back to the hole. So then I saw him in the hallway from my unit, you know, my uh, general population unit, that this um, George Enrique Apermoss, you, you can you guys can Google him. He's on justice.gov right now. He made national news. Um, he is in a wheelchair right now. Mm. He's wheelchair bound, you know, regretful for his life. Um, apparently, two years for him is a long time. There's a way longer time that you can do without snitching in the feds, and that could be 20 to life for crazy shit. Mm. A drug dealer can do a longer time than a murderer. Like the female Texas cop that shot the black man while he was eating ice cream in that apartment. You, do you remember? No. Um, sure there, there, was a, there was, a, there was a, a female Texas cop or Dallas cop um, that shot and killed a black man at a separate floor in her apartment complex. Mm. And um, she was sentenced to 10 years. But that's before time off the front and back for state and programs. So she's probably going to do three to four years before getting released. Mm -hmm. For straight up murder. Mm. A drug dealer that I met that went to trial got sentenced to 25 years for sell for distribution of meth. Yeah. In in your case for um, being a hacker and getting to the detention center, was your case slower to get through the process because of that? Or how does that work with like people that are? It, it's all the drugs? same. Oh, it's all the same. It's all it's all the same, actually. Now the only good thing is that when I committed my crime, I had no co-defendants. So nobody could snitch on me. So you, you understand? So the FBI had to go hit me with a series of subpoenas across all the servers I used before they finally found out it's connecting you know, my IP address to the specific service, to the specific account. Mm -hmm. So they took them about three years for them to get me. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so three, three years at the detention center and then you're out on par parole basically for two years? Three years. Supervised release, two years in federal prison. Oh, okay, okay. I yeah. That. What, what's your uh, What's your motivation for coming out of the podcast? What do you? I, I just wanted some disclosure, you know, like uh, maybe to talk about this in a way where I feel with myself, you know, like uh, <clears throat> of course I couldn't talk about my crimes in federal prison. You know, there's snitches everywhere. Yeah. You know, even there's snitches in general population that you just don't know. Not until the paperwork shows up, you got to roll them up. Mm. So that's how it works. It's not like, you know, someone cooperates with the feds in federal prison and then they instantly end up in protective custody. So, so roll them up is uh, beat the shit out of somebody. Yeah, beat the shit out of somebody, get them out the unit. Okay. Roll them up is never uh, a nice thing. We don't give kisses or hugs to people we roll up. We, yeah. their, their ass is dust. You know, so, so you beat him up so bad that then the prison guards say, "Well, obviously they don't want him here. We got to move him somewhere right. else." Is that right? So if somebody comes to your unit and they look like they just got the shit beat out of them, then do you 
you're like, oh, this guy got beat the shit out of us. Well, we, 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 we try to find out first. We try to talk to the shot caller. Yeah. So if a black man got, got showing up here, um, let's say that for stealing, right? Because there was yeah. a guy that was uh, actually, I'll tell you a story about a guy who stole spice from somebody. Yeah. And um, he was caught for stealing in a higher security unit. So he got beaten up and rolled up. Um, so he made it to our lower security general population unit mm -hmm. and then he stole again. Mm. Then the, then the rumors and then the story added up to us. Like prisoners, not ignorant. We'll find out from the guards. We'll find out from family contacts. We talk to outside. We'll find out who's a snitch, who's a thief or a jailhouse thief. Mm -hmm. And we found out that this guy's a jailhouse thief. Yeah. Now he, he's black. Yeah. It's the blacks business, not ours. Mm. So obviously he took him into the. Uh, law library computer room. We have a little quote-unquote law library in our unit, which is just four computers in a room where yeah. every, everyone watches porn, basically. Right. <laughs> you know, we just yeah. like just watch smoking and porn, you know, in that computer room when the guard's not watching. Yeah. So we took, so the blacks took over the computer room um, in our unit, and then we started, they started questioning him, and then seconds later, like uh, four of them just started beating the shit out of him. Um, kicking him while he's down against the door. So we just saw this door, like, wham, just like oh, nearly opening up, but because the door is locked, yeah. he's just like, you know, tr jumping at the hinges yeah. of, you know, him getting the crap kicked out of him. Yeah. You know? So um, it's not like um, we immediately roll someone up over a rumor. We, we investigate, we find out, we try to find out the paperwork. Yeah. If, you don't, if they don't got the paperwork, but they want to accuse somebody, you know, it's either that our race is going to riot, like we defended that guy. Yeah. That was accused of our it from from the Southsiders of stealing. Mm -hmm. If you can't provide the paperwork, we're in a fucking riot. Mm. We're gonna protect this guy. Yeah. But if you can provide the paperwork, we'll roll him up and fuck him up ourselves. Yeah. What a what a what an incredible environment that is. I don't think it's anything incredible. You want to? Um, I, I know you see uh, in, well, interviewed. I, I mean, incredible as in unbelievable. Like that's so foreign to anything I'm used to. Right. I don't. I don't. You know, it's hard for me to comprehend. Is what I mean by that. Yeah. Didn't you interview a prison guard and an ex-inmate? Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. Have, you still heard this? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you watch movies, you hear the stories, and then you go back to your normal life, right? And then I go back to being a realtor and trying to help people buy a house, right? So that's yeah. a weird. It's a weird I, I, world for me to tap into once in a while, to to see a window into that world. And and to some extent, it's great that you're you're able to describe it with with uh, with such clarity, and yet. Uh, a little bit of empathy in between it all. So it, it doesn't sound like you're not coming in here saying, Oh, I just stabbed someone in jail. Like we're getting to hear, you know, a, a hum I guess I would say a human thought out opinion through this experience. Right. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. So like, um, in the feds and in generally in any prison, you know, no one's going to get far by running their mouth. It's not like the county jail. A lot of people in the county jail, they try to rip you off, say, let me borrow your commissary. I'll pay you back next week. They get, they get, uh, they, you know, get bailed out the next day. Yeah. In federal prison, you're going to be in there stuck with us for a while. You better make sure that your story sticks up. You better make sure for, you got the paperwork for the accusations you make against my race. Mm. And if you don't have the paperwork, we want to press the issue. We're going to riot. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on if, if, a, if a viewer was watching this and they haven't tried meth or heroin, your experiences, what would you tell them or what's your thoughts on it? Okay, so um, a lot of people when they do heroin or meth, they were introduced to it by somebody. Mm -hmm. 
that said it was, you know, the good shit. Like uh, me, I was looking for a substitute for Adderall. I was cheating on uh, exams in college using mm-hmm. Adderall. Like everybody knows about Adderall. It's like, oh, yeah, he got the Addy. Like, yeah, man, I totally got the Addy hookup. Yeah. Um, so my Addy hookup uh, moved out of state. Mm-hmm. So I asked around online. And um, one of my friends came up and says, hey, you should try meth. So uh, he says, it's just like Adderall. I'm like, wait, isn't meth the bad shit? Yeah. You know, and he says, nah, man, it's the good shit. Just mm-hmm. a little bit. So I, I, I started with a fingernail clipping amount of meth. Mm. Um, and then it kept me up for like 48 hours. I was like jacking off the porn for 48 hours. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I was like speeding up and down, you know, the, the, the local freeways here, you know, with a police uh, radar detector, yeah. you know, just having a great time, just like wanting to do something all day. That's also when I started uh, learning hacking. Yeah. But remember, I wasted a lot of my time, you know, trying to uh, figure out how to use hacking tools from strip kitties on YouTube. Mm-hmm. A lot of people on YouTube, that they're, they're full of shit. Strip kitties? Sc- uh, strip kitties. Oh. Uh, uh, strip oh. kitties, you know, oh, like yeah. people that either don't know how to make their own tools or have no understanding of how the TCP IP stack works, and therefore they don't even know why their exploit is not even working. For viewers that are interested in trying heroin meth, I'm just warning you that this introduction could be accidental. It could be that you're looking for a substitute for another drug like Adderall, like I was. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that someone gave you some um, in a party because when I uh, did meth, I didn't start by smoking it. I dissolved and drank it. Mm-hmm. You can take meth and you can dissolve it in water, which makes it taste like shit, by the way. So put it in it. <laughs> put, put it in my water taste terrible. <laughs> yeah, it makes it, make, makes it taste terrible and salty. Okay. Um, uh, p- put it in a uh, monster energy drinks. Um, if you are currently a, a tweaker that wants to be a functioning addict, but for people that have never tried heroin and meth, um, I, I can't show my face. I can't show you my teeth, but, um, but l- l- look where it got me, man. Mm. I can't appeal to have this computer fraud and abuse act conviction, you know, expunged. Yeah. I have to do three year supervised release. I have to call drug testing every day after six. I have to call them to see if I have a drug test the next day. Mm. Um, I can get violated for having an empty beer can in the house. Mm. You know, I am forced to take jobs that do, that do hire felons like welding, truck driving, um, you know, other shit jobs that like, um, even Walmart wouldn't hire a felon. Mm. Even they do background checks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've interviewed or a, um, a trend. She works for mental health and she talks about some of the people with a, uh, fentanyl, f- fentanyl. Uh, sorry, a f- felony background. Sorry, oh, and and she's talking about she wants to help these people with mental health. And when they have the fentanyl, fel- felony background, she she's so stuck on helping them. It's she wants to help them, but it's it's unfortunate that the system, America's system, is like it's more repressive and not not about rebuilding people at all. Right. Like yes. um. I, so even after you serve your time, you're still paying for the crime. Right. Like, you still got the scarlet letter. You know, I'm yeah. so mad about this, and I'm also mad about the facial recognition technology, license plate scanners, uh, predictive policing technology, where they use it to oppress minorities and yeah. um, current felons. I'm actually planning to leave the country. If I can't get a red teaming job after my supervised release is done, if I can't find a, a comfortable white-collar career here, mm-hmm. 
Mm. If I still have to work in a shit job, you know, washing dishes for the rest of my life, fuck this place. I'm out. It makes sense. You know, from this conversation, it seems, I mean, I I don't know you when you're under meth and whatnot, but the the things you describe, the clarity, the the way you describe something that seems clear (laughs) enough for me. You just do meth anymore. Um, So, oh, well, I I guess it seems the information that you have, the knowledge on hacking in your, even, even when you say you're a gray hacker, um, there seems to be some empathy. So, I, I mean, I feel like this conversation has been really fantastic. So I wouldn't, I, from what I know of you within this three hours, I think a company would want to pick you up, but I don't, but the felony background and stuff, I understand. Exactly. Your, so yeah. it, it's, it's a very unfortunate thing. So anyway, yeah, I'm just saying, uh, the things you describe, I think the amount of information that you know, it seems like a company could really use you. So that's all, I guess all I'm saying. Um, I am currently taking accounting at the local university and I mm-hmm. will be dubbing majoring into finance. Excellent. Um, I don't want to say money is power, but you know, in the stock market, stock market is the only market where it, you can be a felon and still trade in the stock market. You can be convicted of fraud and still trade in the stock market as long as it's your, it's your money. The stock market is willing to suck up any idiot's money on any bad decision and still be able to turn that into, you know, cash, like, you know, into a good idea. Yeah. So I'm planning to double major in finance in the local university. Okay. Um, you know, hopefully I can find a future there. If I can't, I'll just be leaving. You know, I'll probably have a proxy agent work in the New York, New York Stock Exchange for me, you yeah. know, to handle my money here. I but mean, I think it's good that even though you, you've, slipped down such a unfortunate wild path that you're still looking for constructive, you know, path forward, right? You're right. For, uh, you're looking for a bright future <clears throat> like everybody, right? Right. So that's, that's a, that's a great outlook to have, to have those goals. I like that. Right. That, that it's not just a lost cause, right? No, it's not a lost cause. Yeah. It's a, a lot more challenging from where you're at. It is so a lot more challenging. People will label me. Um, one of my supervised lease conditions is, I can't even work as a cashier in Walmart because um, the reason why is because I'm not allowed to handle personally identifiable information like credit cards, social security numbers, addresses. Mm. So I cannot even sl- I cannot even swipe your card at a right. at a Walmart as a cashier or check somebody's ID if they're trying to buy alcohol. Right, I can't even right. do that. You know. Yeah. Um, but I would say that my supervised lease conditions are pretty light compared to most people. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, bank robbers are not allowed to have bank accounts. I'm not. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Yeah. Huh. In the feds, they give you creative sentences. Yeah. You know. Um. I know a lady that was convicted of fraud. She's not allowed to have a debit card, credit card. She's now forced to use Cash App debit cards because it comes with a debit card or Chime. Okay. To handle her finances. Okay. Well, she's, yeah. She's finding the alternate routes to. It's, yeah. it's hard to get by in America without some kind of payment card. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to do the final questions. You got a decent amount of time, almost 30 minutes, uh, only five questions. So feel free to take these on tangents if you want. I'm going to grill you, bro. Okay. (laughs) First question, what great daily habits do you have? Uh, Not not committing a crime today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, daily habits is to finish my accounting homework, um, to work on my double major. Um, I haven't declared a double major yet, though. Yeah. You know, but um, I'm planning to, uh, you know, declare my double major because I called my probation officer last week and um, he says he's 
feels that it could be a violation if I declare double major in finance because I could be quote unquote handling other people's money, I assured him that it's not happening. Mm. Then I told him that's going to be me building my own nest egg with my own money. And then he finally okayed it, mm. you know? Yeah. But you're, yeah, I mean, I think learning about finance is different than right. working in finance. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, out of a tangent, Emmett has an accounting degree. Yeah. I think he, I'm guessing he would vote against the accounting degree and go for the finance degree. Degree. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I always wish I had done finance instead of accounting. What? So accounting is very backwards looking. Accounting always looks at what happened. It's kind of the history and the record keeping of what happened. Right, right, exactly. So, but so it's good in that sense if you want to understand a company's financials. Uh, finance is more forward looking. Finance is what's going to happen. It's about interest rates. It's about what's a stock going to do. So I, they're very similar um, fields of study. Right. But just in their focus, accounting is accounting for what got us to this point. Right. And finance is typically from this point, where are we going forward? Right. Would so, be a, a short sentence to that. Would it be that accounting is kind of stuck with uh, the, your current money situation where finance is looking forward to make more money potentially? Is that correct? It? Yeah. If you want to make money and earn money, then finance is, is more about earning money. Right. My family told me that I was going to make a lot of money for accounting. That's a load of shit. You're going to start off a $40,000 a year job as a staff accountant. You will have yeah. to bust your ass for 10 years to even hit 90000 Yeah. You know, yeah. and then you'll be handling so much critical information, running subsidiary ledger accounts with all of your clients. You know, so let's say that you're an auto repair shop and then you have to buy parts from these dealers. You'll be managing, you'll be uh, cross-referencing on each line vertically, horizontally, make sure they all balance and check out. Yeah. You know, accounting is very secure. I mean, aside from the, the felony record, if you want an accounting job and you have an accounting degree, it's easy to get accounting jobs. So it's very secure. Right. But you, it's hard to get rich as an accountant. Right. Um, most Most accountants end up doing the accounting for somebody else, right? Accounting right. somebody else's books. Um, so I, it's funny you said that. I, I, I literally finished college in 2001, started as a staff accountant at 40 grand a year. So <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what I did, yeah. So I, I, did I correctly predict your future for at least five years? Uh, no, because I quit after uh, three years. <laughs> okay, so, you knew, so at, least you, at least you knew ahead of time. You know, at least you reacted yeah. fast. Yeah, well, you know, I never loved it. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lot of hanging out in a cubicle and looking at spreadsheets and filing papers. And uh, you, so with your computer background, here's what actually happens is now a lot of it is accounting software. And it's poorly written because it's written by computer programmers who don't think like accountants. Right. So they're trying to make this program to help make your job better. But they're really not thinking like an accountant. So they miss a lot of intuitive things that would happen for an accountant. And so you end up, anytime one program talks to another, you got your database over here and you need to get the crystal reports to pull the data from here. Uh, you end up spending a lot of time fixing stuff that didn't work right in your computer. And, and so you end up with a lot of workarounds and a lot that, of... That work sounds like the asshole that wrote my accounting homework, uh, McGraw-Hill Connect. Yeah. So they don't know how to think like an accountant... <laughs> so I was pissed off that I lost um, that points to a homework question yeah. um, that I can't redo because I was supposed to put a negative sign instead of it, instead of the brackets to yes. represent as negative. And yeah. I'm like, what in the fuck? I lost one point because of this? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that kind of frustration when you're, when you're accounting and working with computers. Yeah. For sure. So um, just uh, 
Uh, it sounds like your interest sounds more aligned with finance. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll throw in my two cents on it, whether you want to take it or not. Um, for the dual degrees, I find that once you get further in your career, uh, uh, you said a double major. Right. I find, is it going to take any more time? Like, is it six months more of it? I think I haven't calculated it. I have to go talk to the staff. I've yet to talk to the staff about it. I just finally convinced the probation officer to allow me to take a double major in finance. Yeah. If it's less than six <laughs> months, I, I would say probably go, you can do it. Um, but if it's more, it, I, I my suggestion, it's not really worth it. When I've went, I don't know if accounting and finance are different, but in the IT field, um, having a dual major, it doesn't really help. Once you get about two years in the workforce, it's your experience in the workforce that matters. Your degree is kind of like just um, something uh, it, written on paper that doesn't really help anything, if that makes sense. So meaning get your single, get a single degree. That would be my suggestion. Go work for like two or three years. And then that that's your resume. You don't, it doesn't even matter what school or even what the degree is sometimes. Okay. Cause I can't work as an accountant because of my supervised release conditions. Yeah. <clears throat> You know, I have to work. If I have to have to work, I have to work as a welder or a truck driver. Yeah. You know, or um, you know, uh, what else was it? Uh, so can you dig ditches for pipes and? Yeah, that kind of shit. You know, manual labor. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to go back to higher education. You know, I was like, "Fuck this shit." Any money that I do earn, I want to make sure that I invest it into an ESG fund, environmental social governance fund, mm -hmm. or mess around with decentralized finance. Ooh, yeah. DeFi. Yeah. My brother's all about the DeFi. So is there some point after three years which your supervision ends and they go, okay, you're cool, you can do whatever you want? Is uh, yeah. Um, as soon as the three years are up, uh, my three years have started uh, in July. So could you spend three years just working on your finance degree? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. that, that's, that's what I plan to do. Yeah, you know? that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Is, does that, uh, I'm guessing the answer is no, but can you do a IT-related degree but then just wait till three years to get in the field. I asked him about that. He said he has to ask the judge. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's being a dick about it. He says like, um, I'm making the judge uncomfortable by learning additional cybersecurity skills, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean I have to tell him. I could just go to linuxacademy.net, linuxacademy.com. Don't tell us. You're not going to tell him. <laughs> And then um, just sign up for, uh, you know, like a, like a Pearson testing center for a Amazon Web Services account. I mean, Amazon Web Surf Services certification. When I was on pretrial out in Bonn, I already hold a basic Amazon Web Services cloud certification, certified cloud practitioner. That just basically means that you know what Amazon is offering, you yeah. know. Um, I could just secretly take Solutions Architect, get certified right now. And then, um, so, you know. so anytime you have access to a computer, there's a whole world of learning right. you can do. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, like I, like you have already seen right now, I still have access to my computer. I am, I am blown away by the leniency of these things. Like I don't need my laptop in my backpack to heart to hack you. Mm -hmm. I can just get you with that raspberry Pi, except yeah. I'll just buy me another raspberry Pi connected to a TV in my house connect a modem to that, and then I'm going to go come get you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right, next question. What do you know or think of cryptocurrency? Um, so I've written a response. Um, basically, I just want to explain that I use cryptocurrency with um, the intent to buy criminal services. 
bulletproof hosting, uh, stressor services, which are basically DDoS botnets. Um, I use them to pay other hackers for other services. I use them on places like Genesis Market to buy uh, basically farmed creds from so-called bots, which uh, allows me to replay your cookies to log into your, I don't know, like your Bangladeshi military account, you know? Mm -hmm. I found all kinds of creds on uh, Genesis Market. It's it's an invite-only kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, I feel that cryptocurrency and its legitimate usage and how they try to justify in the Wall Street Journal, it has very little intrinsic value. It doesn't make... In, it does not make you dividends like a stock. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of its value is speculative, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, when you do things like decentralized finance or mining and boost the value of the cryptocurrency, think about the child pornographer making guy that's now more incentivized to make more. Mm. You know, to sell more criminal services. You know. Yeah. They, they feel more, like, enabled. Well, when the, they would still do it anyways, just using cash. I mean, cash is... That, that, that's, that's true, you know, but it's just, like, something that I thought in my mind is, like, a lot of things that you find on the dark net, you know. Um, like, I, I go to some pretty dark places, you know, online, either, either in the clear net or on tour. Um, amazing fact is that a lot of these uh, criminal services provided by Ukrainians and Russians, and uh, they actually advertise on the clear net more often than a dark net because they think that law enforcement is harder. They crack down more on, on tour or mm. ITP, which is the invisible internet project. Mm. Yeah. So even Chinese um, hackers, uh, when they sell fully undetectable payloads, they do it out in the clear net out in uh, websites that with a weird sounding domain name because they don't know English. So instead of saying, you know, like hacker wares dot, you know, ch, they go to a, they make a website called you know www.zzzyyy.ca, mm. you know, so that's how a lot of actual Chinese websites are. Hmm. What do you think about consensus on the blockchain? Consensus, like how blocked uh, cryptocurrency and then the technology underneath of it with blockchain, how it's a consensus of miners to come to an answer, and it's like a it's kind of a. <clears throat> a consensus of so many computers and people working together to keep the system going. Oh, you mean like a mining pools? Uh, no, no, no. Just the whole thing of, of blockchain. Um, because with blockchain, it's, so the mining pools, uh, well, they're, they're kind of the same in the miners in the, for this question. But um, with decentralization, you get consensus. So I feel like, it, so I'm when I look at it, I'm kind of like sci-fi-ish and I'm so pro-cryptocurrency or pro-blockchain. Um, that consensus gives us a paradigm shift on having to trust, say, New York Times or police officers that's so centralized or banks printing money, banks and government printing money. Right. Where I think consensus of computers and and code has it in a way that people can agree on a system where there's no, where a bad actor is usually kicked out. It's, it's, I think that's a great idea. I think um, that uh, a lot of things that governments are trying to hide, FBI, CIA, NSA, you know, if these things, um, you can't lie about these things if you have consensus on the blockchain, if these things were happening on the blockchain. Yep. You know, like uh, companies like CypherTrace, they have traced down the $4.4 million stolen from colonial pipelines, recovered with the majority of it, the FBI. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, with consensus on the blockchain, and you're basically saying consensus on the blockchain is trust between the the the, the user. Yep. Right. Yep. Exactly. You know, it's like Wikipedia. You know, the users maintain yep. the content. Exactly. Not some central authority that could just you know uh, uh, redact or mm-hmm. censor out things. Yeah. So you're saying that basically you can't hide, you know, potentially unethical activity. I think humans are going to be humans. I think there's going to be bad humans and there's going to be good humans. Um, if a bad human wants to do their thing, they're going to either use cryptocurrency or they could use cash. Cash is going to provide the same thing, if not maybe even ultimately, uh, sometimes easier depending on mm-hmm. what you're using it for. But um, I think humans are going to be humans. So I do like that cryptocurrency and blockchain provides this consensus module, this consensus paradigm that I think it's going to, I hope, I, I see it helping businesses, governments, people at a, at, at a big level that most people don't even comprehend. So th- that's why I asked about consensus. So Right. Well, I mean, I have heard a lot about uh, blockchain technology for accounting purposes. So it's basically mm-hmm. a digital ledger, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I, I do have, um, I, I, obviously I was in prison, you know, I was constantly being bothered by people, you know, wanted to trade obviously what I made booze, mm. you know, so I was recently reading the wall street journal, uh-huh. but, um, I was reading about other topics like, uh, you know, can people hack facial recognition by stealing your face and then access your bank account? Mm. That's what supposedly what the wall street journal, the, the tech, you know, briefing, you know, right. is saying, um, but yeah, unfortunately I don't have much to say about it because I was basically drawn by other oh, topics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally understood. You've been off the grid for a bit here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. What's the biggest problem for humans and what should we do to fix it? Um, well, the biggest problem for humans today is a uh, lack of common sense. Um, I will tell you a story about a prison guard um, that nearly caught COVID in private prison because mm-hmm. he thinks the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have microchips. Oh. So I asked my brother over the prison phone, like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Yeah. And he says, oh, this guy's one of those QAnon idiots, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think misinformation is basically, you know, one of the biggest problems that we have, misinformation and lack of common sense. Um, basically, it's the same for cybersecurity. <clears throat> Everybody, you know, in a, some tech company is going to have a secret meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning with a PowerPoint about, you know, like cybersecurity, like don't put your passwords in, on, on that fucking table where the maid could see it. You know, does anybody listen to that stupid thing? No. Yeah. You know, they, they, they don't listen to that thing. They don't listen to anything on the PowerPoint, but the person that did the PowerPoint is going to get paid anyways. So he, he, he's, he's happy. I mean, he did his job, you know, but like um, the lack of common sense and all this misinformation, you know, um, So, so you're saying it's difficult for the average person to learn. Yeah, we have all this information available. We can't tell what's true. We can't tell what's smart. Right. That's probably... Is, is it a matter of our modern world has gotten so complex that it's hard for the average person to comprehend it all? Yeah. Um, I actually read a book my brother bought me. I think he meant it as a joke. It says, uh, <laughs> you are not so smart. Yeah. Um, in the, uh, basically, there's a section of the book in the book, you are not so smart, and it says why you cannot remember more than 200... Uh, Facebook friends mm. and so it doesn't matter how many Facebook friends you have yeah on Facebook 
we can only memorize about 200 mm -hmm. because uh, biologically we were evolved with grooming functions as quote-unquote friends. Mm -hmm. So as friends, we were supposed to be grooming functions as monkeys. Like we were supposed to pick fleas off each other's furs as little monkeys or something. Yeah. And we can only develop bonds and intimately know about 200-something people. Mm. After that limit, once you hit like 1,000-something people, yeah. you're not going to remember those 800 people. Yeah. They're not close friends to you. Right. You know? Yeah. What uh, would you suggest? How would we fix it? Get a better memory, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think um, it's an easy problem to fix. Um, lack of common sense and misinformation is a difficult problem to combat. Um, it's obvious that the Russians and the Chinese are conducting information warfare against us by spreading these rumors mm. about, you know, COVID vaccines mutating people. They're saying that COVID vaccines are killing black people and sterilizing them. They're saying that COVID vaccines have microchips in them. Yeah. You know, I mean, all they have to do is just open up a, a few bot Facebook accounts, you know, steal some pictures from Flickr or Instagram, make a new fake Facebook account, and then just automate them and just spout more fake bullshit. Yeah. Um, it, it seems um, easier to spread misinformation than to combat it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have an answer on how to fix this, you know, unfortunately. How do we make people smarter? I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can't, you can't, like, um, you can't take, you can't teach a person that, that doesn't want to learn, you know, like. Yeah, that's true. All right, next question. It's a lot friendlier. What's your favorite food? Um, I prefer Thai noodles. Oh, so um, glad you didn't say meth. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Because I know a lot of Thai people that do meth. <laughs> Sorry, Thai food. <laughs> spicy um, or not spicy? Spicy, very spicy. Okay. Like, um, I don't want to do, like, when I go up to a Thai restaurant, yeah. I don't do the white boy hot. You know, I do Thai hot. Asian, Thai spicy. Yeah. Thai spicy. Yeah. Cause I know what they're doing. All right. If yeah. you're like a, a, a white American and then you go to a Thai restaurant, they will give you the white scale of one to 10 in hotness. Yeah. And that is going to taste mild. Yeah. Ask for the Thai scale. If you're a, a white person, go to the Thai restaurant and ask for the Thai hot so scale. I, I have a friend that did that and he regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> he, th he thought he was strong. He was a white boy. <laughs> Yeah, white dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not the it's, it's not the whiteness, I guess. It's like how how accustomed are you to really spicy food, and how how extreme do you want to go in your well, spice pain? I, well, that I think that statement is out of my white friends. I feel like one out of ten could handle spiciness, but my Asian friends, it's like eight eight out of ten. Yeah. So well, so culturally, there's a lot more exposure and practice yeah. with spicy foods. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, those buffalo wings, they get a little ooh, a little zing in there. <laughs> oh, mango habanero from Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Spicy as fuck, but it's good. <laughs> Think of at least, uh, next question, last question. Think of at least two friends that should do this podcast, call them out. And I, if I remember, you wrote this and uh, you wrote an answer where you said you didn't want to say their names. Am I remembering correctly? Um, well, the, originally I wanted to call out the special agents, you know, that arrested me. But they're not my friends. Mm. And I don't, I'm actually under a court order under seal not to even reveal their identities, un unfortunately. I know their names. Seems but wise, yeah. Yeah, well, it's actually a court order. So mm. when I got my discovery, um, I have a court order and enlisted about 20 FBI agents. I wanted to hear their side of the story 
But mm. since um, I, I, I wanted to do that because I thought our discussion would be me, you know, saying things about what the FBI has done to me and my family, you know, mm. turn our family against us and shit like that. Mm. All the things I've do, did when I caught them surveilling me. Yeah. You know, but, you know, since I can't, I can't really call them out now. Yeah. I'd, but, be, I'd be surprised if they'd want to do that anyway, right? To right. participate in a podcast. Yeah. But um, I don't know who this female cop is that we talked about in the earlier. I want her to step forward under, you know, our, our same privacy protection, you know, like a blurred voice, distorted, you know, vision, yeah, all shadows. Maybe even have her put on a wig or something, you know, or, or, or a thick coat. Yeah. I'd like to yeah. call her out. I mean, you know her. Yeah. I'd like yeah. to see her side of the story. Cool. Yeah. I'll cut this out and I'll send it to her, the blurred, and then see if she's down to do it. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. <clears throat> Thank you for spending time with us and sharing your your interesting story, man. That's a whole different world that, that most of us don't get to see. So mm-hmm. thanks for taking time to tell us your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Slayer Ranger, thank you for spending three hours with us, man. <laughs> it's been three hours? Yep. yep. Ooh, cheers. Cheers.